Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the duration of the show. A brief reminder, if you haven't done so yet, you can subscribe to the Missy AE podcast by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE, or by following us on any of our podcast networks, such as iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, You name it, and we're probably on there. A programming reminder, next Friday night, you will be able to listen to the next edition of the Big Brother 25 recap show. Uh, That is set to take place um, next Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, We have a lot to cover tonight. Uh, there's a little bit about, uh, Wander Franco. We have an update on, on Wander Franco and his situation with, uh, with the league and with the, uh, with the allegations against him. Uh, we have some NFL, uh, NFL cut downs to talk about since everybody, uh, had to, every team had to, uh, cut themselves down to 53, uh, to 53 players. Uh, we also have the playoff picture to talk about in Major League Baseball as well, uh, as well as some other things. Uh, but we have – currently we have Diane and I think we have Kyle. Uh, I believe I believe this is you calling in, Kyle. This is. How are you, Steve? Hello. Uh, I'm good. Uh, I'm good. Hi, Diane. Uh by the way, Kyle, real quick, was that you that was trying to contact me on Instagram? Yeah, my, I, yeah, I had like a big problem with my phone and stuff like that. Sorry about that. Okay, well, I was, I was just making sure because uh, I've been getting, I've been getting random messages over, like over over the past couple of months. You know, people trying to uh, trying to claim that. That their other that they're certain friends of mine when really it's just somebody who is uh, who has made a profile that's been that that looks like theirs but really isn't. So, um, oh, I got this. So yeah, uh, and I have a anyways, too. So I finally got up. So I finally got a Facebook. Oh, it, it, ha- it has it has happened with you, Diane. With Facebook, people would. Pretend that it's kind of weird. Uh, long story. I'm off at the now, and it's not happening anymore. Yeah, unfortunately, people just people just don't have uh, just don't have lives for some reason to where they they decide that they want to impersonate other people online. But uh, anyways, we have a lot to get to tonight, so I figured we'll probably start off with. Uh, some breaking news in the wrestling world. Uh, obviously, last week we dealt with the tragic loss of Bray Wyatt as well as uh, Terry Funk. 
However, the wrestling news continues as uh, news broke just a couple of hours ago that All Elite Wrestling has officially cut ties with CM Punk following an altercation that took place at AEW All In last Sunday uh, over at Wembley Stadium in uh, in London. Uh, in particular, the statement reads, and this is a joint statement from All Elite Wrestling and Tony Khan, uh, saying that All Elite Wrestling has terminated the wrestler and employment agreements between CM Punk, also known as Philip Brooks, and AEW, which caused effective immediately. Uh, the termination was confirmed today by Tony Khan, CEO, general manager, and head of creative of AEW. Uh, the termination follows a week-long internal investigation of an incident occurring backstage at AEW All-In in London on Sunday, August 27th. Following the investigation, the AEW Discipline Committee met and later convened with outside legal counsel before making a unanimous recommendation to Khan that CM Punk be terminated with cause. Khan then offered the following statement, saying, Phil played an important role within AEW, and I thank him for his contributions. The termination of his AEW contracts with cause is ultimately my decision and mine alone. Of course, I wish I didn't have to share this news, which may come as a disappointment to many of our fans. Nevertheless, I am making the decision in the best interest of the many amazing people who make AEW possible excuse me, each week, uh, our talent, staff, venue operators, and many others whose efforts are unsung but essential to bringing our fans great shows on television and at arenas and stadiums throughout the world. Now, what he didn't mention in this statement was that both CM Punk and the other individual involved, Jack Perry, who is the son of the late Luke Perry of uh, Beverly Hills 90210 fame. Uh, Jack Perry was also involved in the altercation and resulted in both him and Punk being fined and suspended indefinitely. Uh, In Punk's case, though, and I find the timing very peculiar, uh, that literally a day before a show in Punk's hometown of Chicago, Illinois, Tony Khan decides to make this uh, decision and fire CM Punk from both his wrestling contract as well as it sounds like, uh, considering that it's more than one contract, it sounds like Punk also had uh, some some influence perhaps in the front office because he had two different contracts that he was fired from in this situation. And what really gets me here, too, is that uh, apparently it's not because of the altercation that took place. It's because of the fact that CM Punk uh, supposedly lunged at AEW president Tony Khan backstage while all of this was taking place. And in a statement that Tony Khan had made before AEW Collision tonight, uh, which was which is live on TNT, 
uh, he ended up stating that I've been going to wrestling shows for over 30 years. I've been producing them on this network for nearly four years. Never in all that time have I ever felt until last Sunday that my security, my safety, my life was in danger at a wrestling show. I don't think anybody should feel that way at work. I don't think the people I work with should feel that way. And this isn't the first incident that has happened involving CM Punk. I mean, there's been multiple, there's been multiple incidences that are, are incidents that have happened since Punk joined AEW. Uh, the first one was, of course, notably with the members of the elite, uh, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, as well as a couple of other people. Uh, this time, it was with Jungle Boy Jack Perry, who, as of, as of this uh, podcast, is still suspended as of now uh, due to his actions. But apparently, just to add a little more context here, uh, a report that came out said that Jack Perry did not throw the first punch. Uh, the, it was noted that Punk shoved Perry and then put him in a chokehold. And fellow wrestler Samoa Joe, who is also a friend of Punk, tried to play peacemaker and prevent others from getting involved. Uh, then I guess apparently CM Punk lunged at uh lunged at even throwing monitors at him that were backstage supposedly because uh, obviously Tony Khan is sitting in the gorilla position which is basically like if anybody knows a wrestling event that's where all of the production stuff is like where uh the decision makers sit like literally right behind the curtain when you see wrestlers come out the curtain and into uh, into the actual show, that's basically where Tony Khan was. And right at, right after Punk came through the curtain, apparently that's when all this when all this uh, took place. And one final note is apparently part of this whole thing started apparently about. Uh, Punk wanting to use fake glass for a spot, for a segment that they were going to do. And Jack Perry instead wanted to use real glass. So after his match, or or during his match, Perry made reference to this by uh, by doing a little bit, a little bit of a of a shoot uh, of of a little shoot, which. For wrestling fans, a shoot means that something that wasn't supposed to be in the script uh, being said or done by another wrestler. And he basically ended up mentioning, without a microphone, but it was picked up by the cameras, uh, something about, uh, oops, I used real glass or, or I used fake or I used real glass, I used fake glass, something something involving glass because it involved going through a windshield or something, something like that. Uh, needless to say, AEW, uh, after this whole entire ordeal, because this is Punk's second, uh, you know, second 
punishment, I guess you could say, uh, or his second altercation, they then decided to cut ties with him officially today. And may I add that uh, the reception that the company has gotten uh, tonight at AEW Collision was not good. Fans are pissed off. Well, some fans are, but mainly the Chicago the Chicago fans are pissed off. Everybody else thought, said that this that this should have happened after the after the first incident. Uh, but Diane, do you watch do you watch uh, any wrestling at all? No, but I hear about wrestling. Have you uh, did, did you uh, was this talked about earlier on on a loose show? Hmm. Yeah, it might have been. But what's AEW? It's all, uh, it, it stands for All Elite Wrestling, which is basically, uh, it, it's basically a play off of, um, off of a wrestling group called The Elite, which technically, if it mm-hmm. wasn't for them, this company wouldn't have been created, so... Uh, mm-hmm. they chose to include the elite in the title, and for some reason they decided to call it all elite wrestling, all elite wrestling, oh. and that okay. with each wrestler, which with each wrestler that joins the company, they're considered all elite. Okay. What are your What are your thoughts, Kyle? On, uh, cause I, I know, I know you're a, you're a big wrestling fan and, uh, Alex, we'll get your thoughts in a minute here too. Uh, but Kyle, Kyle, what are, what are your thoughts? Cause I know, I know you, uh, you keep, uh, you keep in touch, uh, when it comes to, uh, what's going on in the wrestling world. Yeah. It just seems like CM Punk, like, I don't know, just find a way to get in trouble. I, I don't know. There's always been like a, like kind of a bad rap with Sam Punk, you know. Um, even in like, you know, UFC, I don't know too much if he got in, in trouble in WWE, but it just seems like something always like pops up with Sam Punk. You know, it, it's not, nothing like crazy. Like he did something horribly wrong, but it's always like something to find Sam Punk. can never like say like, out of trouble, I guess you can say, but I don't know. I kind of feel bad for the guy because, you know, I do enjoy him, and I I think he's entertaining, and I think he brought something different to every company's benefit, so it's kind of, uh, you know, inconvenient. What, what are your thoughts on this, Alex? Because, uh, you know, it, it, it just seems like uh, – uh, this uh, this is almost like an ongoing thing with this guy, uh, despite how immensely popular he is in the wrestling world. You know, he's a former he's a former world champion in not just AEW but also the WWE, and uh, he always said that he would come back to wrestling on his terms. And now all of a sudden, it just seems like all of a sudden, ever since he joined AEW that he 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 had just been rubbing people the wrong way completely. I mean, controversy equals ratings equals excitement equals everything. I mean, every every sport needs, like, a public enemy. 
sometimes uh, like Dennis Rodman in basketball or hockey has a couple bruisers that go into different stadiums and are really hated. I mean, I think it's good for the sport to have like a, you know, to kind of have a public enemy in the, in the arena. Very, very controversial. And he kind of thrives off that. So I think it's good for the sport. You need, you, you know, you need the good and the bad. Right. Yeah. You definitely, uh, I mean, it doesn't hurt to have uh because as eric bischoff made famous controversy creates cash uh which was so true in the 90s but uh you know it just the one thing i know about about punk from this whole entire incident is it it just seems or not not the incident but you know his tenure as a whole in aew was that he seemed to be very pissed off at the fact that Uh, it seemed like he was working with amateurs that, uh, you know, he's used to working how people worked in the WWE, how like, yeah, you know, uh, he may have been upset with how things were going in the WWE, but at least they were professional. And while, yeah, technically, technically all elite wrestling is a professional organization as well. But uh, it seems like instead of doing what's best for business, AEW more times than not does what uh, you know what's best for the main people in that organization. Because part of yeah. what Punk wanted to do was he wanted to help build the younger talent. And instead, they're having him. I mean, yeah, they were having him face off with uh, with with wrestlers like MJF and whatnot. But it ju- it just seemed like a lot of the. I, I think maybe he underestimated uh, what the atmosphere would be like backstage in AEW as opposed to a more strict company like WWE. Yeah, I mean, it's a different beast, a different level, right? I mean, it's not going to be the height of professionalism maybe that it used to. All, people, all organizations are different. Yeah, they are different. All organizations are different. But I think I think the thing is, is the fact that even though this company has a lot of professionals, I mean, they have Chris Jericho, they got Sting, they have Paul White, uh, Mark Henry, uh, people who have been in the WWE or in a major organization before. Uh, but then again, this is the same company that, that drove out Cody Rhodes, who was one of the founders of the company. Uh, this is the same, and now this is this is the company that has now driven out CM Punk. Although, granted, the difference between the two is that this was Punk's own doing. Like, there's no in my opinion at least, there's no way that you can actually say that Punk wasn't in the wrong in this situation with all the details that are coming out about this. So um, it's also been noted, too, that there was recently an attempt to have the hatchet buried between Punk and members of the elite uh, after what happened during the first incident. Uh, which was about a year or so ago. Um, There was supposed to be a sit-down that was supposed to take place last week ahead of AEW All-In, which which was set in London, 
um, members of the elite, along with CM Punk and Tony Khan, were all supposed to have a sit-down to bury the hatchet. That was then... Uh, that was then cut off at the last minute by the elite. So it says that the cancellation of this meeting apparently added to his overall frustrations heading into the pay-per-view, which I guess kind of makes sense because it seems like Punk's, from Punk's point of view, it's like, okay, you're not going to play ball with me. After after I'm willing to bury the hatchet, you guys are instead going to put your egos. Uh, you're going to put your egos ahead of what's best for the company. And a lot of people believe that Punk did what he did at All In because he was just fed up with uh, he was fed up with working with incompetent people and was trying to get himself fired. So, Kyle, what's your your take on that, uh, Kyle? Because doesn't it really seem like with with, with as more and more information comes out that, uh, you know, Punk is the one who was actually trying to extend the olive branch, but the elite are the ones who have the egos. Yeah, it, it kind of sounds like it from from what you just described, and you know, it's kind of a kind of look. I don't know, it's kind of a, a bad look, I guess you would say. Like one of your your top guys, you know, is kind of want to bury the hatchet kind of thing, and you're just like, eh, we're kind of over it. You know, I don't know, it kind of rubs me the, the wrong way. It kind of doesn't look right. Uh, leaves like a weird taste in my mouth for sure. What do, you, what do you think about this, Alex? Because on one hand, you have somebody who's willing to bury the hatchet, and do, doesn't it seem like, uh, egos came in the way of of allowing that to potentially happen. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. And again, I'm not siding with Punk, but it's, controversy is is king, and you know how that riddle goes. I mean, I think it's good for the sport. Yeah. Like, again, not to harp on it again, but just to the analogy of like a Don Dennis Rodman, or you know, there used to be football players that were just re- like hated and revered at the same time when they walked in different stadiums, or like enforcers in hockey. I mean. I think it's good for the sport. The bad boy Pistons used to get booed all the time when they were on the road, uh, Detroit Pistons. I mean, it's, I think it's, it fuels like a different aspect of the sport. You have good versus evil. So it's, I, I don't know. Controversy is good. That's my, that's my two cents. So it doesn't surprise me. He's always been kind of like Kyle was really pointing out well. Like he's always been controversial and different stunts. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like par for the course with him. True. And by the way, there are rumors. Uh, there has been word that is being spread around uh, in the WWE locker room that Punk might potentially be headed to the WWE. Punk was a big topic of discussion uh, backstage tonight at WWE Payback, which is where, uh, uh, which is their uh, their their next or their uh most recent pay-per-view that's currently taking place tonight that'd be picture perfect i mean that'd be a that'd be a storybook if you know what i'm saying i mean 
we've seen crazier things happen in that sport. So that would be excellent for ratings. I mean, again, it's going to be interesting to watch. And right now they're winning. Even with the controversy right now, they're already getting better ratings. I guarantee it. So it's, I think it's good for the sport. I, Everyone needs to have an enemy to go to, go to battle against, you know, in these, in these right. big sports. And just to, just to, uh, just to end this segment here, imagine if Punk goes back to the WWE and the first thing he does is he does a shoot promo on AEW in his first time back in a WWE ring in over, in over 10, I think over 10, 11 years. That would be awesome. Imagine, yeah, I mean, imagine the reaction that that would get. It would be gold. I mean, it's perfect. It's perfect. You could, I mean, Vince couldn't have written a better script. That's how good it is. Right. All right, let me right. bring in Lou. How are you doing tonight, Lou? All right, sorry I'm a little late, but it's been a very confusing day. But I'm here. Lou. No, that's okay. Yeah. All right. By, by the way, I, apo- I apologize for not being able to call in earlier. Uh, unfortunately, my digestive system wasn't, uh, wasn't cooperating with me. So needless yeah, to say, it was, a painful, it was a painful couple of hours. But, well, I'll be honest. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do a show tonight because – uh, I don't know if Steve mentioned, but my uh, my uh, aunt passed away on Thursday. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do a show tonight at all, but I did manage to do oh, it. Oh wow! Um, yeah. Uh, Lou, I'm I'm sorry for your loss, man. Very sorry. Yeah. Tough news. I'm yeah. sorry, man. It, it, we, we weren't we weren't very surprised though. We we knew it was was coming up. So uh, although saddened, not really not really surprised. Regardless, though, it's it's you know even if even if you know that it's coming, it's still it's still never easy. You're right, but but I carried on. But uh, Lou, we've been talking about the recent news that the breaking news that has come out in the professional wrestling world about the firing Uh of. Philip, also known as CM Punk, from All Elite oh, Wrestling, and yeah. in particular, what you know, I, I forgot to mention this when we were first talking about it, but he is the sole reason why they created a second show on TNT mm. for him. Yeah, he's the sole reason why AEW has has AEW collision taking place tonight on TNT right. instead of just having dynamite on Wednesdays. Uh, hmm. But, but, you know, ju- just to, just to keep it short and sweet, uh, Punk was fired from both his uh, management as well as his uh, wrestling contracts with the company uh-huh. due to an altercation that took place at the uh, that took place uh, at Wembley Stadium last week during AEW's All In pay per view, uh, where he was involved in an altercation with Jack Perry, the uh, son of former Beverly Hills 90210 star Luke Perry. Um, yep. Who just happens to wrestle for all elite wrestling? Each pit, and yeah, and apparently uh, AEW president Tony Khan 
was part of the uh, was part of the whole thing where Punk had mm. allegedly lunged at Tony Khan, uh, making Tony fear for his life apparently for the first time in thirty years at a wrestling uh, event. And okay. I guess I guess uh, you know monitors were thrown or something backstage. I I don't know it could be exact details, but. Uh, I mean, Tony even went as far as to release two separate statements today, uh, which has driven the wrestling community insane, uh, needless to say. But this is the second incident that took place. So in my opinion, it was just for for them to to have uh, officially terminated his two contracts. What are your thoughts on that, Lou? First of all, I... You have me from now on CJ Punk. Okay, that's a, that's a big loss right there. Wow. <laughs> but he is the main reason why you know you know that those leagues are what they are. So you know, always, you know that's just uh, that's uh, quite a much. I didn't get a chance to uh, read the article because I was you know on the road uh, driving home, so I didn't get a chance to uh, catch the full detail. Right. Oh, uh, you're home now. Yes. Okay. Oh, there you are. Well, needless to say, though, you know, this is, uh, you know, he he was also going to be involved in what was going to be considered maybe the biggest storyline in AEW for this year. But now that he's fired, that basically all has to get completely scrapped, and they have to go in a completely separate direction. Uh, when it comes to that, so needless to say, you know th- this is definitely a it's definitely a huge a huge shift when it comes yeah. to when it, when it comes to their programming and what they're going to have to do moving forward. Uh, and yeah. also, like I said. Like I said too, there there is the there is the possibility that he was maybe trying to purposely get himself fired because of the negativity uh, amongst the backstage area. Uh, but we do have we uh, moving on from that though we do have some uh, some more news. Uh, the NFL, the NBA, and the UFC are joining forces against online piracy. About time. According, according to a letter sent to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, uh, they are basically joining, they're joining together in an attempt to rewrite DMCA laws, which would allow them to shut down illegal streams faster. Uh, in a letter that was sent to the uh, office, the respective sports leagues demanded the power to instantaneously or near instantaneously take down unauthorized broadcasts, which has resulted in financial losses upwards of $28 billion. Yeah. Uh, the current language in the DMCA, which is the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which was signed into law by Bill Clinton, all the way back in 1998, has been criticized for being outdated and providing little respite for the social media age. 
uh, non-existent, which, of course, social media was non-existent at the time that this was originally yeah. enacted. Uh, and also, it's, it should be noted that it should be no surprise that the notice and takedown regime established by the DMCA, which was enacted before widespread Internet-based live streaming became available, is not well suited to address the present-day particular piracy issues surrounding the infringement of live content. The requirement to expeditiously remove infringing content means that content must be removed instantaneously or near instantaneously in response to a takedown request. This would be a relatively modest and non-controversial update to the DMCA that could be included in the broader reforms being considered currently by Congress or could be addressed separately. Uh, And Dana White, the UFC president, has often touted his proactive stance on Internet piracy uh, when he went head to when when he went head to head with the uh fucking nerds uh his words um right. who tried to dox uh who tried to dox him and by doxing meaning that you know people will know where where Dana White lives and everything uh that's right. basically what doxing is um but uh Dana Dana uh was quoted as saying uh, we've been cracking down on piracy for years. I've been talking about piracy for 10, 12, 13 years. We've always taken a strong stance on piracy, and we always will. Uh, of course, UFC pay-per-view events currently cost $79.99, and they require a paid subscription to ESPN+, Plus, which may have pushed more fight fans to seek out unauthorized feeds. And also, uh, other competing organizations have also faced their fair share of pirated broadcasts over the last few years as well. Uh, However, though, unfortunately, for those who are seeking change, revisiting or revising the current DMCA law would require an act of Congress, which, just like the ongoing fight against illegal streaming, is never handled instantaneously. So, I mean, first off, just 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 to start off with here, I think yes. it's a long time coming. That uh, oh yeah, I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that this that this wasn't acted on. That this wasn't acted upon sooner. Oh, it was planned a long time ago. But twenty eight billion dollars. Yeah. I mean, my God. You know, it it also doesn't help too. Uh, I mean, first off, I'll, I'll say this right now: piracy is wrong. You know, it shouldn't it, it shouldn't be happening. But obviously, you know, it's nothing new, though. Nothing new. That's a, this is the problem with the internet: is as long as something is out there on the internet, you know, they can try and take illegal streams yeah. down. But if they take illegal streams down, for every illegal stream they take down, hundreds more are going to pop up in its place. Yeah. I mean, that's basically – it's nothing new, yeah. But it's – you know, it's it's sort of like – yeah, they can – you know, they can DMCA – you know, they can DMCA – a streaming site 
literally, you know, I, I've actually seen it happen where a site gets taken down and then literally seconds later somebody's, somebody's posting on Twitter uh, a, a new site to put up mm. on the, yeah, you, uh, you know, whenever, yeah. whenever I search for, whenever I search like UFC or WWE or, or whatnot, um, so, I mean, let's start, let's start with you on this, Lou. What, what are your thoughts on uh, the NBA, the NFL, and the UFC? Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, preparing to strike against online piracy once again. It's about time. I mean, come on. I mean, this is, I mean, it's wrong. It's illegal. I mean, you can go to jail for it because, you know, you know, it's just amazing, like, you know, why haven't you done it sooner? I mean, maybe if you would have done anything sooner, this wouldn't it wouldn't get to this point. You know, they always talk about you know how wrong it is, but nobody really does anything about it until it gets way out of hand, and then the damage is already done. You should have done it sooner. I mean, you know, I applaud you taking a step, but you know this whole thing could have been done you know done a long time ago. I mean, you know, piracy's been around for for years since like the early days of cable, and then they steal stuff from the internet. You know, illegal downloads. You know, for Music or not, you know, it's it just you know a constant. It's just a constant, you know, just a shithole, and that's what and that's what it's, it's turning into. You know, that's how the internet is used for. Well, as I said, the internet is used for evil that way, and it's, I don't approve of that. So I'm glad that you know the leagues are taking a step in how to, com- to combat this issue. Good luck. Let's go. Let's let's go over to you, uh, Kyle. What are your What are your thoughts on this? Because uh, you know, w- right now with the with the streaming, a- with the social media age being what it is right now, uh, and you have all these subscription services as well. Uh, like for example, you know, you have uh, UFC pay per views on ESPN Plus. You have uh, there's that's one way, but then the other way you have like the WWE that has the WWE Network on Peacock where. People can get yeah. their pay-per-views for like nine ninety-nine. I think is like the highest it goes for like uh, without, uh, you know, for for without um, advertisements and whatnot. But yet you have the UFC who is putting their pay-per-views at seventy-nine ninety-nine per pay-per-view. Right. So. Right. I mean, let's get your thoughts on this, Kyle. Does it seem like maybe perhaps something else could potentially be done that maybe it could, uh, you know, maybe it could lessen uh, the possibility of of, of illegal streams being, being uh, you know, rising up? Yeah, it's crazy. So you said $20 billion um, – is lost revenue, right? So the UFC yeah, twenty eight you know, has a twenty eight billion. So so Jake Paul, as much as you guys don't like whatever with Jake Paul, whatever, but his biggest thing is hey, like Dana, pay these fighters a livable wage. So like, less two weeks ago it was UFC two ninety two, you know, Aldrio versus uh, Sterling, uh, Sterling versus um Sean O'Malley. Do you think I paid eighty dollars to watch it? Nope, I'm not going to say what I did to watch it, but we you already mentioned another way to watch it. So, why, don't, why doesn't Dana do this? Hey, UFC fans, why don't we give like a $30 like 
subscription a year, and then for pay-per-views, just pay $10, $15. I guarantee you every UFC fan is like, all right, I'll pay $30 a year to watch these fights, and then on top of it, I'll pay $10, $15 for the UFC fights I want to watch. Like, And then, but there's a problem, like Jake Paul and Logan Paul, they all like say, oh, Dana, you don't pay your fighters like enough, but you, you're losing $20 billion in revenue, quote-unquote, it's like, how much are you making still, and you still don't pay your fighters good money? Besides, like, the Sean O'Malley's, you know, the All Joe's, the big guys. But what about guys like, I don't know, uh, you know, like smaller guys on the card? You know, how much are they making, and how much of that profit are you actually sharing to them? Yeah. So, yeah, there has to be something to be done, you know, to get fans to stop doing what we do to watch these fights. But I'm not going to pay $80 every two weeks to go see a UFC fight. You know what right. I mean? It, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Right. They and have to do something. What, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this, Alex? Because, you yeah, know, I mean, we see, as... like, I, like I mentioned, we've seen, uh, we see certain uh, organizations have different things like WWE has the WWE network at 999 uh you know 999 which basically includes access to all pay-per-views that they do and their entire video library might I add uh you have you know I'm pr- I'm pretty sure you know obviously with the NFL you have N- uh you have NFL uh red zone you have uh NFL what do they call it game pass or sunday pass um, yeah. Red, uh, yeah, NFL pass. Yeah, and you have you see those type of things uh, with all of the uh, sports organizations. Uh, but yet, people doing this, this stuff. On there's always going to be sorry, but there's always going to be that market. It's the black or dark market. Yeah. I mean, there's always people trying to outsmart outsmart on the internet and post stuff for free. I mean. Hey, if they can go and get them, good, you know, God bless them. I, there's always going to be a marketplace doing that. I don't know if they fix the, if they lower the rates. There's still going to be people that want to do it for free. You know, that's the other element. But the people that are pirating stuff. You know, the, since the days of Napster, there's always people trying to outsmart the other the other side. So I mean, if you drop the, if you if you make it a, an annual subscription for UFC, would it help? Yeah, but would there still be other people doing it out there? I, I mean, I don't think you can totally eradicate the problem. But it's a good, I mean, it's a good effort. Probably can't. And let, me get, let me give just a, uh, a history of UFC pay-per-view prices. Uh, this is coming from a, uh, from a report uh, on Twitter from back in 2022 when the price was raised up to the current price of $74.99. Um, yeah. Or no, it's $79.99 now. Uh, Back in February of 2005, when they were starting up the Ultimate Fighter and everything, pay-per-view prices were 29.95 per pay-per-view. I remember those days. In yeah. April, in April, that the very next or two months later, it went up to 34.95. In 2006, yeah. it went to 39.95. And then February of 2008, it rose a little bit uh, because of the popularity of UFC rising. It rose to 44.95. Then I believe 2009 may have been when it was sold 
to uh, or when when Endeavor officially when Zufa became Endeavor and they then raised the price up to fifty four ninety nine. Uh then six years later they raised the price up five dollars to fifty nine ninety nine. Twenty eighteen it was risen to sixty four ninety nine. Oh yeah. Twenty twenty one 2021 6999 last year 7499 and now it's 7999 keep in mind keep in mind <laughs> this cheaper. is per keep in mind this is per pay-per-view and they have pay-per-views right. almost every week sorry that's right. astronomical right. you want to you want to deter at least like curb or try to slow down that element that's doing the downloading and pirating and this, that, and the third, you at least have to make it a little bit more reasonable on the price. I mean, it's not going to help matters. It's not going to help matter. It's not going to help deter what other people are going to do. Or at least do something like, for example, uh, okay, like say you want to have um, a month's worth of pay-per-views at, at like the current price of of whatever they're doing uh, of 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 eighty dollars, so that would basically be like yeah. a month's worth. That would basically be like twenty dollars per pay per view. Yeah, essentially. Perfect. You you just solved the problem right there, Steve. Now, of course, you know other options, and I, I believe if I remember correctly, Dana actually brought this up. Uh, when piracy first became an issue, uh, you know, you can always pool together money with your friends and, and you know, have like a group, a group viewing, which I'm pretty sure, you know, most people that order the pay-per-view, they're probably not ordering it just by themselves. Uh, no. The other option, the other option is obviously you can go out to your local bar uh, which most bars do have every single fight uh, that yeah. takes place, or in you know in in certain situations, if you, if you live near a casino like uh, like Mohegan Sun or whatnot, uh, you right. can go to the casino and pretty pretty damn sure the casino is probably going to have the fight on yeah. a whole bunch of the Absolutely. TVs that they have there, uh, but. I do think that something does need to be done when it comes to illegal streaming, even though yeah. uh, like maybe the most that they could probably do is they could do a revision, the current DMCA law. But the problem is just like, uh, just like the article I brought up, um, it would have to go through Congress and knowing how Congress operates uh, again, you know, I, I hate, I hate getting political on, on these shows. But knowing how Congress operates, uh, it would take absolutely forever for them to get an yeah. illegal streaming bill passed. Because they would rather they would rather sit around and do nothing uh, in order to in in order to get a uh, you know to to still to still get their uh, their salaries that they make sit around and basically do nothing. I mean, hell, we have, yeah. uh, for example, um, 
just to just to show what I, what it means uh, by what I mean by doing absolutely nothing, they would rather complain about uh, about a show like Barney the Dinosaur having or no 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 that's yeah. not that's not that's not a good comparison. Uh, they would rather complain about a show about like what? Sesame Street having gay characters yeah. on it than, yeah, uh, you know, than actually having to deal with actual problems. So that's what makes me think that even if they do uh, put out a, if they if they do bring bring this to Congress, it's probably going to be years before anything's even done about it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and if it does, again, it's not gonna, it's not really gonna put a dent until they lower the prices. There's still gonna be that element of people out there that are still gonna yep. pull those stunts, and that's the way it is. Right. But I'll tell you though, I mean, you look at, and this is what this is what kind of uh, makes me fearful for the WWE, because the WWE, they are now owned by the same company as UFC is, and ever yep. since the UFC became owned by Endeavor, that's when they changed their pay-per-view prices because of this new UFC model uh, that has, granted, it's proven to be a success for the UFC because they've they've generated record revenues uh, on a yearly basis. Um, But I think it would be a big mistake, and this is just coming from, you know, from the WWE, because before the WWE went public, you know, obviously they had to, when I say went public, meaning that they were on the stock exchange and whatnot, uh, before they went public, of course, they had to have pay-per-views at a certain price because of the fact that, you know, they needed to continue building the company. Now that the WWE is such a global phenomenon like it is, and I'll put the UFC in this same category too. The UFC is, is a global phenomenon as well. But just, just looking at, at where everything stands right now when it comes to the WWE, WWE, they're a global phenomenon. And yes, yes. And they're having pay-per-view. They're selling monthly subscriptions to the WWE Network between five ninety-nine to nine ninety-nine, depending on whether or not you want commercials or not. And yeah, and you know they're still showing a profit. Uh, they're still, if anything, they're still recording record profits as it is, while yeah. the UFC not only do they have the subscription for, uh, you know, for UF or for ESPN plus, which people have to pay for already. So now you're asking for people to pay for ESPN plus and then pay for a UFC pay-per-view. Douchebag. Way too much greed. So uh, people are going to fight the power and go against greed and there's going to be two sides to it. So, those prices yeah. are insane, and they'll get what they get. The other people are going to pirate stuff out there. I mean, that's just like music, and, yeah. and I mean, you're not going to be able to stop that element. You can't even stop it now. I don't know. It's 
it's definitely like because uh, with I mean, ESPN with go. ESPN Plus. It, I was just going to simply say, I mean, what since UFC is now looking at it, like, what are they going to do differently that the other people can't? Because right now, if, if people get around it, like other people have those sites still. So I just don't see how it's suddenly going to change. But I mean, maybe I'll be proven wrong. Yeah, I don't. I, I, in all honesty, I don't see them changing from their current model. The only thing I'm hoping, I'm hoping, because we actually see, I believe we're seeing more UFC streams than we are WWE now that WWE has changed it oh, yeah. to, um, you know, their current model of running things. What I'm hoping yeah. is that that model stays the same. Where it's five ninety nine and nine ninety nine, and we're not looking at a potential increase to where fans are going to have to pay seventy, eighty dollars for uh, a monthly subscription to the WWE Network on Peacock. Because once that once their current thing expires. Uh, once their current agreement expires with Peacock, uh, with with NBC Universal, they're then going to be going to be shopping all of their, uh, you know, they're they're going to be shopping for the next big deal. And I guarantee you, ESPN is going to be one of the one of the potential buyers. Okay. So, I I, I just hope that doesn't happen, but. Because I actually like how their current setup is, but uh, needless to say, that's still a long ways away. Uh, yeah. Moving on. Moving on, though, uh, we will go to Major League Baseball, where just when it seems like uh, you know all the all the facts have been officially uh, proven, here comes another development in the case involving uh-huh. Wander Franco. Uh, In particular, according to a special prosecutor in the Dominican Republic, they are investigating a second formal complaint that Tampa Bay Rays shortstop Wander Franco engaged in a relationship with a minor. The latest of three accusations against him. After the first complaint was filed on July 17th, Another girl alleged to the Specialized Prosecutor's Office for Boys, Girls, and Adolescents that she had a relationship with, with Franco as a minor. While a third girl has not yet spoken to authorities, they are still investigating her alleged relationship with Franco as well. Prosecutors from the division which investigates crimes committed against children hope to speak with Franco in the upcoming weeks, according to uh, ESPN. In the D, in the Dominican Republic, the age of consent is 18. So obviously, anyone over 18 who engages in a sexual relationship with someone younger than 18 can be charged criminally. So not only is right. he dealing with two with two accusations, he's dealing with a third accusation. I don't know about you right. guys, but it kind of seems to me like this isn't a case of uh, of extortion anymore. No. Uh, 
unless somebody really thinks that they can that they can extort him into uh into giving up uh into giving up even more money but right i don't know i mean i honestly i don't really know what to make of this of this uh recent news because i i personally think it just adds to his uh you know it it just adds to the long odds that are against him Yes. When it comes to, uh, you know, obviously, uh, if he's found guilty, he's going to be. I mean, forget forget his career. His career is over with. He his life may be over with because these are three separate cases, three separate charges that'll each be filed. Which I think I think I think it's what, twenty five twenty five years is the maximum I think? Something like that, yes. So if he's found guilty on all three charges, he could potentially face up to seventy five years in prison. Which would yeah, basically yeah. be the rest of his life. Boy he's really screwed up. All right. Well, let's start with let's start with you, Lou. What are you, what are your thoughts on on uh, on this new uh, on this new discovery in the Wander Franco situation? Well, it's like you know, I have trouble counting. You know, versus one incident is another. Uh, he's going to be he's in a shitload of trouble and facing seventy five years of imprisonment. Oh boy. Another person who didn't know what the hell he was doing, now he's about to pay the price for a big time. Nice going, stupid. Diane, what are your what are your, what are your thoughts on this? Uh that now he's a an third idiot. person has come out. He's an idiot. This guy is an idiot. <laughs> we just found an idiot of the week, folks. Exactly. Yeah, I I would say so, because, I mean, just imagine this this kid had everything. He had all of the money that he could that he could think of with this with this contract. And now yeah. all of a sudden, it's at severe risk of being completely flushed down the drain if he's found guilty. What are, what are your thoughts on this newest uh, accusation, Alex? You asking me, Lou? Uh, Steve? About Franco? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, that a third, that a third, a third girl has now, has now come forward. That's definitely a pattern emerging. So, yeah, now it's definitely where there's yeah. a lot of smoke, most certainly a fire. So, yeah, not, not getting any brighter. He's, he looks like he's in a world of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Needless to say, it's uh, it's not looking good for him. I'll just put it that I'll put it that way. The more, like you said, where there's more smoke, the often there's fire. Uh, yeah. It's. It's not. It's it's looking like it's probably. Uh, I mean, this is just gonna increase. You know, the more that we see. 
it's just going to completely – it's going to continue to increase. Because if there's all of this evidence against him, you know, you have all this evidence against him, it's just uh, – it's, it's, it's mind-boggling to begin with that somebody could throw their entire life down the drain. Yep. We've seen Bonhoeffer like, he, before, like he is. Talk about so a talented young. guy. But so yeah, one of the best baseball players on the planet. Because he's getting his career started. It's just absolutely ludicrous to do this type of activity. And it just doesn't, uh, the law doesn't discriminate now that he's nabbed. I mean, whatever he did, he's going to be held accountable for. So it could spell the end of right. his career. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but what a complete fucking dumbass to I was gonna say that. really even go through to, to now, of course, there is the possibility that maybe he had these relationships while he was still a minor, but it's different to have those relationships when you're a minor as well, and yet to yeah. still have those relationships when when you when you officially hit eighteen. So, yeah, I mean, it's I don't all know. Back, it's, you know, it, it, facts come to light. It's, it's tough to speculate, but, I mean, there's a lot of evidence. Unless it's another when he was a minor, like you said. I mean, three is uh, a lot worse than two, is a lot worse than one, is a lot worse than zero. I mean, it's not getting any better right now. It's getting this, this case is getting worse for him. Exactly. But, obviously, you know, as more of, as more of that comes out, uh, we will obviously have more information on that uh, as this whole entire situation develops. Uh, we did have another situation take place earlier this week as two fans oh ran out onto the field during a game between the Atlanta Braves and Colorado Rockies where yeah. they where they ended up, it looked like they were mugging uh, star outfielder Ronald Acuna Jr. when apparently they were trying to get <laughs> selfies with him out on the field while, game, while play was taking place. And, I mean, yeah. I've seen I've seen the video, I've seen the, I've seen the broadcast video, and also fan video of the incident. The first one, the first one, legitimately looked like that they were just wanting to get a picture with him. The second one yeah, looked like they were looked like they were a stalker or something, like they were a crazed stalker wanting to get at him. It didn't look dangerous. I mean, they yeah. just wanted to get close to him. Still can't do it, though. Well, yeah. the first one didn't look dangerous. The second though. one did. Yeah. But still, it's disturbing the peace, and uh, they're facing charges of disturbing the peace and trespassing. You can't do – if you're a fan, you can't go out onto the field of play. Or, no. or if you're a fan at a basketball game, you can't all of a sudden charge the court. Even celebration, you just can't. Unless it's in a celebration, yeah. Unless it's in a celebration, like well, not even then. You you see you see you know when games after like an historic upset at at home and the uh, fans are swung are storming onto the court, uh, you probably shouldn't do it like that either. No, you know. I mean, we don't want we don't want to have a situation. 
Guidler. And, you know, they're, they're ripping down the goalposts and everything on the field. It was like total pandemonium. Oh, right. I remember that, yeah. 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 Uh, they, couldn't find the, they couldn't find the goalposts, actually, for quite a while, if I remember correctly. Because the goalposts apparently kept being moved all around town uh, following the game. If it's the, if it's the one I'm thinking of. Well, there's been several instances of that altogether, but, you know, it, it had become more commonplace. I mean, if, you know, probably the more famous one, yeah, but, it's, you know, it's been a resurgence. Right. Uh, but it's, So it says here, the misdemeanor charges against the fans who were 21 and 23-year-old Denver residents, uh, they were outlined in arrest affidavits that were released on Tuesday. Uh, they're ordered to appear in court on September 27th. Acuna himself said he was okay after fending them off, including one, including the one that knocked him over during the middle of the seventh inning at Coors Field uh, in a 14 to four bludgeoning uh, by the Braves of the Rockies. Uh, he was not injured and he did remain in the game. Uh, in particular, it said one fan got his arms around Acuna in right field before security personnel quickly grabbed the man. A second fan then sprinted toward the group, knocking down Acuna, and that fan was tackled as a member of the security staff chased him down. Uh, Acuna, when he was reached for comment, said he was a little scared at first. Uh, I think the fans were out there ask, and asking for pictures. I really couldn't say anything because at that point, security was already there and we were already kind of tangled up. But security was able to get there and everything's okay. We're all okay and I hope they're okay. Uh, his teammate, Kevin Pillar, also expressed relief that he wasn't hurt, saying, thankfully they weren't there to do any harm, but you just never know during these type of situations. Uh they were extreme fans and wanted to get a picture, put their hands on them, but in no way is it appropriate for people to leave the stands even more to put their hands on someone else. Right. Which, I mean, that's easy, That's an easy uh, statement to make when you consider all of the, uh, all of the different things that, uh, that athletes face on a daily basis uh, when, when, whenever they play these games. Yeah, I mean, that goes common knowledge. It's a good statement. I mean, it is what it is. You can't, there's no, no dice. You can't go on the court. You can't go on, onto the field. You can't go on, you know, anywhere. There's a time and a place to try to seek an autograph or meet someone, but you can't, you can't go out in the public like that during a game, especially. Yeah. It's, it's just that, you know, maybe they were drunk. I don't know if they were drunk or, or not or whatnot, oh, but, you know, Fans need to know their place. You paid, yeah. you know, you pay, you pay, you pay for a ticket to go to the arena to watch a it's game a take place. It was a bit unique. It wasn't a typical like guy without a shirt, streaking or anything over the top. They literally jumped down and just like stood next to him. It's a bit unique, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> illegal all the same. Most of the fans are drunk. Yeah. I mean, it is a very high possibility, so to speak. I mean, they just sat and talked to him. They they weren't running around. They didn't seem, like, out of control. It was kind of a unique way of doing it. I don't know. They just didn't run on the field naked. 
No. Yeah, I mean, it could have been worse. They could be doing that, but... Yeah. Uh, I mean, you want to talk about strange incidences. Uh, why don't we talk about what happened or, or what is happening in Los Angeles? The L.A. Angels apparently decided, you know what? Fuck the rest of this season. Fuck uh, our chances of uh, of re-signing yeah. Shohei Otani. Uh, let's just take all of the people we acquired at the deadline and place them on waivers for yeah. anybody anybody to claim. So they placed Lucas Giolito, Matt Moore, Ronaldo Lopez, Hunter Renfro, which technically they signed him in free agency, and Randall Grichuk on waivers. And... What's asinine about this whole thing, well, first off, I said this from the start, that I believe the Angels should have sold, much like the Red Sox should have sold. We'll get to the Red Sox in a minute. Uh, As I teased teased last night on the Big Brother podcast, I have a bit of a rant to go on um, involving the Red Sox. Uh, But, you know, I said this from the very beginning that they should have sold Otani. There's no chance in hell, yeah. unless they have an agreement with Otani beforehand, there's no chance in hell that Otani is staying in L.A. in an Angels uniform. No, he's not. No, he's gone. They should have sold, they should have sold him. Now they may have to entertain selling Mike Trout. Oh, he's the cheer, the one yeah, ever cheerleader. Up. Hardly ever suits up. He's like a cheerleader. Might have to put him on the block, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. You better. And here we go, actually. Uh, as I say this, uh, one of the headlines I'm reading here, Mike Trout expects to have conversations with Angels management about the organization's future. Uh, how about how, he, can, he can discuss how he can't stay uh, on the field. He can talk about that, too. Maybe he should focus about playing and getting healthy. I'm sorry, man. That guy's been stealing money for a couple years now. He's played, like, less than half the games the last three years. I mean, suit up, Mike. Worry about that first. Right. But at the same time, though, they haven't necessarily built anything around him. I mean, yeah, they got Otani, but... It would have helped if the best player on the planet on Walkier, and then they added seven or eight different guys. It would have helped if Trout could have played at all. <laughs> yeah. And now he wants to talk about the future? Okay, Mike. I mean, that's a little bit ballsy, I think. He, he hasn't yeah. even been around for a playoff push. And he's like, oh, I, I'm not sure about the team. Well, dude, you, wouldn't even, you weren't even playing for us. What are you talking about, Mike? Uh, it's a well, let's be on, fair. Poor, very, very poor timing on Trout's part. Let's be fair. The, uh, of the seasons that he's been injured, uh, 2020, let's remember, was a shortened season, so that doesn't yeah. count. Uh, 2021, right. okay, yeah, he only played in 36 games. Uh, last year, he only played in 119. This year, he's so far only played in 82 games. You can really say for the most part that 2021 was really his only injury-riddled season. Right. So far. Well, I mean, 
he hasn't been in there in the clutch moments. I mean, let's look at what have you done for me lately. He's done nothing for that franchise lately. I just think it's a poor time. He should get back to being healthy. Maybe discuss it at a later point, but, I mean, right now it's like he's on the sidelines. I don't know. It's the easy way out for him because I guess, you know, when Otani leaves, he can kind of slide out the back door too. But he's under a lot further well, you know, a lot longer. So you know, I kind of really... think – yeah, yeah I kind of think it might be it might be to LA's benefit though that they start these discussions with him because if he does want a trade, I mean I don't know about you guys, but I mean they're already going to miss out on getting anything for Otani. Yeah, I wouldn't true. want to let I wouldn't want to let uh, to let Mike's uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to let Mike Trout's uh, prime years go to waste. If you guys are no. if you guys are not going to be committed to building something around him, and you're going to rebuild, trade him. If you demand yeah. it, absolutely. You have you have to you have to. I wouldn't try to, but uh, I don't know. He's still running, but I guess so Tani. I mean, how about next time? Try next time you get two of the best players of all time on your roster. Maybe you think about adding some pitching. Maybe a suggestion exactly. for them to think about. Because <laughs> they did exactly. everything wrong, and yeah. now it's all coming to roost. Now it's all boiling over because it's, it's been done wrong. They added all those slew of, high, you know, those older veterans, Moustakis, Grichuk, Kron. What is this, like two, 2014 All-Star game? And then, mm-hmm. and then uh, what, a month later, they, flame, they go down in flames, and then now they're putting all those guys on waivers. Otani's pissed off. He's going to leave. He's already injured. Trout's injured. <laughs> in total total fiasco in Anaheim. They might as well strip it down. I'm, Build it over, I guess. Yeah, they got to do something. They got to do something to they if they're, right. they're going to decide that, okay, we're not going to build around Mike Trout, then sell him for what you can get. Yeah. Tell him for what you can get. He's 32 years old. You know, he's not about to. Uh, he's not about to get any younger. There'd be plenty of suitors for him. Yeah. Right. There'd be plenty of people buying for him. You get a good package of draft picks and actually reset the whole thing. I mean, you might as well. What a, they they never added pitching, so like all these poor attempts to sneak into the playoffs failed miserably. Time to reset. I mean, they've already they've already wasted like twelve or thirteen years of his career already because he came into the league at the age of nineteen. Yeah, they need to pitch you, and they signed what Anthony Rendon, who hasn't played in like two years. They still pay him like a two hundred million dollar contract. Just literally That's a waste right there. They had never had a good enough pitching staff. Terrible bullpen, and they wonder why they are where they are. In the Mike Trout era, of of the 12 seasons he's been in the league, he has only made the playoffs once, and that was in 2014 where they lost in the divisional round to the Royals in a 3 nothing, uh, a 3 nothing sweep. Wow. Rough. Yeah, and that was I mean, the year that they went 98-64. and 64. Right. The Phillies have tried to get him before. Maybe he winds up there. Imagine another – Massive power bat in that lineup. But, I mean, that's, he's a big Eagles fan. He's from the area. I mean, he, he wants to play for the Phillies. That's been a rumor for, gosh, since he came into the league. 
starts as he goes to most all the Eagles games in the offseason for what it's worth. He's, a, he's he's from that area, and they, I mean, imagine right. him with Bryce Harper. Maybe that's his next destination. I mean, you just take a look at you take a look at the resume he has. Rookie of the year in 2012. He's a three-time MVP. And you mean to tell me yeah. you've only built a competitive team around this guy once? Once? Say what now? Yeah, they spent money in all the wrong places, the wrong people. Right. They never surrounded their superstar mega talent with the right pieces. No. I mean, it's hard to feel bad for a player, but I actually feel bad for Trout. Yeah, he's wasting away. Because, yeah, he's been injured. Time, he's got to get healthy, though. Yeah, yes, yes he does have to get healthy. It's a poorly he run does have to get healthy, like but this is... They're kind of like the, the the joke of, like, I don't know, out there. I mean, you got Dodgers. And people are proud about the, the the San Francisco Giants. Anaheim's just kind of like, eh. They just never get it right with their decisions. Yeah, but this is easily their best, uh, you know, this is easily their best hitter that they've had in God knows how many years. So, for L.A. to have completely ruined, in my opinion, to have basically ruined a majority of Trout's, of, of Trout's career, you know, it, it's basically just wasting money is what there is, is, is what, or not wasting money, but waste, basically wasting away his early years where... You know, he's already in the middle of his prime right now. And, you know, at the age of 32, probably going to start to go downhill potentially. Yeah, right already on get, already, get, already getting hit with injuries, just saying. Yeah. That's, uh, that's something to keep – that's something to, uh, you know, to really, to really center in on. The fact that now he's starting to get injured more and more. I mean, they are seriously going to have to have a discussion and say, are we actually going to commit to building around him or are we entering a rebuild? You know, should we should we officially uh, start rebuilding? Because in my opinion, they should have started rebuilding this, uh, this trade deadline. Yeah. And instead, instead they have a dumbass of a general manager. They have a dumbass of a general manager who believed that they were in a position to to contend, <laughs> and literally added just like castaways and guys that have been on five teams in five years, like Chris Shuck and Renfro. Come on, man! I, I don't think that was going to do it. But I mean, yeah, I mean, as quick as they added him, they put him back on waivers, and then they called quits. So it's just ridiculous. So now the Guardians, the Guardians reaped the benefits here. They claimed Lucas Giolito, Matt Moore, and Ronaldo Lopez all off of waivers from the Angels as part of this, as the Guardians look to get back into or look to stay in the playoff hunt. Which, I mean, when you consider when you consider the uh, the status of the AL Central, it's not really out of reach for the Guardians. They're four and a half games back. It is doable, uh, more doable than uh, than Boston, which, like I said, we'll get to in a minute. Um, 
but you know, Guardians they made the right decision mm-hmm. to uh, to take advantage of LA's complete idiocracy with this. Morons. Um, the Reds they claimed Hunter Renfro off of waivers. They also claimed uh, Harrison Bader off of waivers from the Yankees. Uh, so, you know, the Reds are benefiting from the power that uh, both Bader and Renfro are gonna are gonna bring to their lineup. They just lineup, uh, and they added they added Renfro and Bader. They spotted Bader right into uh, hitting first and Renfro fifth. A day after they did that, you got Friedel, Fraley, uh, De La Cruz, obviously Matt McLean, possible Rookie of the Year, two two of the best rookies in baseball. Spencer Steer. Uh, I'm missing a couple. Guys. I mean, the Reds got a really nice lineup. If they can get enough pitching, I mean, th- that could be a wild card team. They're still in the hunt. Oh yeah, they most definitely are. I mean, you take a, you take a look at their division, the NL Central. They're six and a half games out, but they are a half game out of the wild card. So definitely right. not a. Uh, it's definitely not a lost cause for the Cincinnati Reds. They made the right decision to uh, hop on. To some of these, uh, to some to some of these uh, acquisitions, as did the Mariners as well, who claimed Dominic Leone off of waivers from the Angels after uh, Leone was acquired from the Mets by the Angels at the deadline. Right. Now I understand, you know, I understand why the Angels may have possibly done this because of the fact that uh, most of the players that they acquired sucked ever since they joined LA. But the question the question that remains is, is it the players that suck or is it your team that sucks? It's a team. It might just be your team. So regardless, you know, it's uh, like you want an example of a team that should have sold. One of the two examples is LA. Now we get to Boston. And just to uh just to bring up a few things here, let me bring up the most recent schedule. Yes, I know they won 9 to 5 today against uh, against the Royals. What is the Royals? They lost last night 13 to 2 to a 3 and 15 pitcher. They got blown the out Royals. by the Astros. The Mighty Royals, the Mighty Royals are smacking them around. Yeah. The Ast- the Astros put up 26 runs total in their series, including, oh, might wow. I add, uh, might, might I add as well, there was one game where a pitcher was put out there uh, by Alex Cora uh, I want to say it was August 28th. I think it was August 28th against the Astros. Yeah, August 28th. Uh, Kyle Baraclow, uh gets <laughs> called up from AAA after Sale only goes four and two-thirds innings. What a call-up. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Alex Cora brings in Baraclow, who gives up a run in the fifth inning. Okay, so it's four to three heading into the sixth inning. He keeps Baraclow out there, who gives up six runs in the sixth inning, thus officially putting the game out of reach. But 
you would think, okay, after, uh, you know, after the pitcher gives up a couple of runs, you would figure, okay, some, somebody's going to get up in the bullpen to replace him, right? Right? Right. No. Instead, Alex Cora, in my opinion, decided to send a message to Heim Bloom saying, okay, you want to keep giving me these fucking scrubs to have to deal with? Fine. I'll yeah. leave your scrub out here as a sacrificial lamb to basically Ooh. show you why you should have invested in this team at the deadline instead of sitting on your fucking ass and making one minor move. Right, stupid. And instead of adding pitching, you added a guy who can't even get above 200. So, Kyle Baraclow finishes the game throwing more pitches than Chris Sale. Uh, 94 pitches in four, and two, in, in four and a third innings compared to Chris Sale's 92 pitches in four and two-thirds innings. Baraclow gives up 11 hits, 10 runs, five walks, including two hit batsmen, and two home runs, boosting his ERA all the way up from two and a half to 12.91. Wow. This is the manager sending a message to to, uh, to Bloom saying, Fuck you for not doing what I wanted you to do and actually invest in this team. And at this point, I mean, obviously, the Red Sox right now are just playing just to add to their stats, basically. That's all they're doing right now. They're just basically trying to add to their stats. They're six games back in the wild card, which I, I I know they say anything can happen. They entered today with a point three percent chance of making the playoffs. Point three percent. I mean Houston series really yeah. the, the ceiling caved in when Houston came to in at Beantown and Fenway and just blasted for just slew the slew of runs and just exploded on them offensively. I mean that that was the final the finishing blow for Boston. And but yeah, I like how Cora sent that message. He left the, the lame call up that, you know, his GM did a disservice. Like we were talking about for several weeks, would they buy or sell? They didn't do enough at the deadline, and it caved in. So, yeah, I mean, Cora's got to be right to be pissed off. The Bloom, Bloom's just a pathetic GM. And then not to mention, uh, Bloom had a 40-minute discussion with Alex Verdugo after <laughs> one of the games. I think it was one of the Houston games. He had a 40-minute discussion out in the open where everybody could see, everybody could take pictures, uh, any of the media members could take pictures of him out there in the outfield with the, you know, with with this whole uh, with this whole meeting taking place. Forty minutes. Alex Verdugo had his arms crossed, which basically what that means is he's either a pissed off or b he's not paying any any attention whatsoever to what's happening. Oh, <laughs> It just seems like this team is completely disengaged. They're like, okay, you don't, you didn't care about us at the deadline. Fine, fuck you. We're not going to care for the rest of the season. We're just going to try and add to our stat totals. Yep, they had a, a good chance, and they just he didn't do a damn thing. Uh, they didn't 
you know, he didn't go for it. The players are deflated. Like we were warning about, if he didn't add enough, it would spell trouble for them. And, and you know, it's a disservice to everyone in the dugout, from the from Cora to all, every player in the dugout. The GM doesn't care enough to, to add more talent and when we're in it. You know, it's, defl- it's deflating. It's disheartening for them. And it's like, it's like almost every single night you're spinning the wheel of gutless bums, as I like to call it. The, you spin yes. the wheel of gutless bums when it's time to go to the bullpen and see who who Alex Cora is going to bring out for this uh, for for this game. Uh, you know, which scrub is he gonna is he gonna throw out there this time? Uh, last night, uh, Brandon Walter, who was just called up from AAA, a bright a, a bright young star, might I add. Uh, he, he has a bright future. Uh, he gets sacrificed last night by Alex Cora, leaving him out there uh, for four innings, giving up ten hits, seven runs to raise his, to balloon his ERA to fifteen point seventy five. Wow! <laughs> Good job, James. Oh, actually, no. Actually, no. That was that was for the game. Let me see what his ERA is now. That was for the game. His ERA is five point seven nine now. When he had a pretty good ERA heading, uh, you know, after being called back up, he had a pretty good ERA. But wow. for some reason, it's like it's 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 almost like Alex Cora is trying to send a message now because. Uh, you know, either it's either Alex Cora is going to be the fall guy, or Heim Bloom will be the fall guy. Odds are it's going to be Alex Cora. Alex, you know, I'm almost wondering if Alex Cora is trying to get himself fired, kind of like CM Punk is. is doing with uh, kind of like what CM Punk did with All Elite Wrestling. I, I am seriously wondering if Alex Cora is just trying to get himself fired. At least playing people overextending like them, it. and they're getting. Gotta. I mean, that certainly hints at the idea that yeah, he's he's like sabotaging. Like he's uh, you didn't give me any help, so I'll leave this person in, and this pitch will get totally lit up. It's like he doesn't care. He's just kind of like f you to uh to the the guys upstairs. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, here's the thing. The thing about Alex, uh, this is what sucks too, is that. Alex Cora, he, he won a title here when he was a player. He won a title here as a coach. Right. You know, it just seems like – I don't know, but it, it just almost seems – he even made fun of, of Heim Bloom uh, referring to the team as uh, – you know, saying that the team relished the fact that they're underdogs. He even made yeah. fun of Hein Bloom by wearing by wearing a T-shirt of the underdog uh, cartoon. Oh yeah, yeah. That underdog cartoon. He wore a T-shirt of the underdog cartoon during one of his press conferences uh, after yeah, after yeah, one of the yeah. games this year, uh, this past week. You know it's. It's seriously to the point now, too, where you're seeing a ton more – you know, Fenway used to be packed with Fenway faithful, with Red Sox fans. Instead, you're seeing every game now, every game that they have at Fenway, more and more fans 
from the opposing team are starting to fill the seats now. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Heim Bloom was given a directive by John Henry to where, okay, uh, give, give me a team that is mediocre uh, it'll keep the, it'll keep the fans invested, but we won't we won't really be doing any damage. You know, we won't be making the playoffs or anything. But give me a team that'll keep making me money instead of oh I don't know, going to the fucking playoffs where you get more fucking profit. You fucking idiot. Yeah. Oh my God, I I, sw- I swear to God, it's. It's astonishing, honestly. And, you know, I I mean, I'll be abundantly clear. You know, when I first became a Red Sox fan, it was shortly before they won in 2004. I I became a Red Sox fan in, like, I think 2000 or 2001. Yeah. So, you know, it just, to me, it's, I, I understand, you know, the pain that, uh, 86 years uh, that that fans had gone through, and yeah, you could say that the city of Boston has been spoiled as of recent yes. when it comes to championships. But that's the part of the culture now. Fans expect a winning culture. Yes. So. I mean, what what are your what are your thoughts, Lou, on everything that's hap- on everything that's going on in Boston right now? Yeah, there's a shitload of trouble right there. I mean, yeah, we, I mean, I think they're explaining a bit too much. I mean, okay, Charlie's been on a run in the last 15 years. You know, Celtics winning, Bruins uh, and the Red Sox, especially the Red Sox. You know, I think that you know, it's either like they have this uh, win mentality or Oh. And you know you, you, you can't you can't always be like that. You know, I mean they, they uh, I mean cause I think because they just the sell I mean, the um, Red Sox were you know looking for a title for so long, and then 2003 they finally uh, 2004 they finally got it, and now they want to you know keep this up with uh, winning mentality and not have to go back and face what they were before that. And the same could be said about, you know, the others, you know, the Patriots. Because what were the Patriots before they were Brady? A shithole. Celtics, uh, you know, have been always been dominant. The Bruins, you know, when they won in uh, 2011, it took them uh, 40 years to win a Stanley Cup. So it's something now they've become more accustomed to to win rather than just be, you know, a city with uh, teams, with uh, sports teams that, you know, just been completely sucked for so long. Yeah, what what are your thought what are your thoughts on uh on the downfall it seems of not just Boston sports but particularly the Red Sox in general. Uh Celtics I mean, Celtics and Bruins have been awesome lately. They both have proud franchises with a lot of rings. Uh Patriots have plenty of rings. Boston has more rings recently than the Yankees. Pretty pretty good sports city actually. Um but for the Red Sox, yeah. yeah, I mean, the owner's being cheap. John Henry's being cheap and doing a disservice to the fans. 
the Red Sox are one of the proudest franchises in all of pro sports worldwide. And uh, they didn't go out and buy enough at the deadline. So that's why product on the field isn't up to snuff. But, I mean, if they had gone all in, they could have easily gone as deep as, who knows, in the, in the AL. They had some – they caught lightning in a bottle for a while. They were one of the hottest teams in baseball, and they didn't do a damn thing at the, at the deadline. So it just pisses off the players, you know, and, and the fans are really upset too, and rightfully so. So, yeah, it's just unfortunate. It all comes up – starts at the top, and the owner uh, is trying to save money, even though he's in one of the biggest markets and has plenty of money. He just he doesn't want to put more money into his team. So it sucks for the team, and it really, really tough for the fans. I can see how annoyed you are. I mean, right it just doesn't it seem doesn't it seem though like Alex Cora is is basically giving a big fuck you to uh to management because he probably knows yeah. that he's going to be the fall guy. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I mean, oh, leaving yeah. a guy out getting crushed as a pitcher. It's like leaving in a quarterback who throws seven interceptions and you have another quarterback and you just, you just want to, like, see how bad you can lose. <laughs> He's obviously giving a big F you to, to the boss, to his owner. And he didn't give him the best players that he should have. And so now he's responding like he is. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think yeah, I agree with you, Steve. I think he's trying to get fired. You know, covert, like, you know what I mean. Doing things to get fired yeah. without coming out and saying, fire me. <laughs> he's just doing some things quietly to kind of give an F you to them. Yeah, it's honestly, honestly, it's just very, it's very disgusting because I mean, okay, you know, Red Sox fans would take it more if you were to outright go out there and say, uh, this is what, like I said uh, in previous podcasts, this is what I loved about Theo Epstein is that he went right out there and said, look, we're not going to be necessarily a contender. He said that after winning the World Series in 04. He said, look, we're not going to be necessarily a contender. We're going to try to put the best team out there possible, but just be forewarned that we may potentially be looking towards the future. That's If, if Haim had just come out and said that, that would have been fine. But the way he's been handling everything, it's it, it, it really draws, you know, it, it, it really draws a sour attitude amongst Red Sox fans. As it should. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like what the Mets are in now, except the difference is the Mets haven't won as recently as the Red Sox have. Right. Yeah, I mean they 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 got prospects back. I don't know. I thought the Red Sox were going to go all in. They've just been they've just been so cheap. Really frustrating for the fan base. Yeah. Uh, let's see. All right, going up. Uh, I've been I'm. What's it called? Uh, responding to somebody on on Facebook. Uh, so, uh, a little bit of potential bad news for Texas. Uh, yeah. Apparently, uh, Max Scherzer exited after six scoreless innings yesterday because of tightness in his forearm. Uh, 
What did I say? Former Met. Now he is Acuna's brother. They got yep. Acuna's brother for him. So sorry, Max, but we got Acuna's little brother for you. So good luck and staying healthy. Forty years old. Forty-one years old. He's uh, sorry. I mean, did you, didn't you guys now expect he, he might get injured? He's gotten kind of yeah. injured later and later in his career. Yeah. Like it says here that he could tell he was at his limit, even though the shoulder, his shoulder is good. He said his arm's good, that he just knew because he didn't have an extra day coming back on five days rest. Uh, Interesting. But normally when you, normally when you leave a game due to forearm tightness, you're usually yeah. looking at potential Tommy John. Right. Yep. Of course. You know, informal diagnosis. The worst words you can hear is like forearm tightness, I think. If you're, if you're like a franchise, when it comes to a pitcher, yeah, I mean, that's, that alludes to maybe Tommy John, the dreaded Tommy John. I can't think of a worse phrase to so, hear, forearm tightness, right? I mean, is there a worse one for a pitcher? Doesn't sound good. No, there. I don't think there is a worse injury. No. So that should be something uh, to keep an eye on moving forward for Texas Rangers fans who, you know, have probably the best team that they've had since, since they had Ron Washington as their, as their manager. You know, it's, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting that hopefully, hopefully nothing's wrong and he doesn't, uh, he doesn't have to undergo surgery, and you know maybe, maybe everything, maybe everything's fine now that now that he's uh, left the game, uh, that he left the game early yesterday. Uh, that remains to be seen. But uh, one player who is out for the season, though, and this is another reason why I believe that the Red Sox uh, are done. Uh, Jaron Duran officially underwent season-ending toe surgery this past Wednesday uh, after he was shelved since August 22nd due to turf toe, which is an injury he suffered while attempting to rob Glaber Torres of a home run at Yankee Stadium. Uh, He ends up finishing this season with an impressive 295 batting average with eight homers, 40 RBIs, and 24 stolen bases across 362 plate appearances which easily is his best in his major league career so far. Uh, one thing that I'm wondering, though, is if they may decide to sell high on him this offseason. Yeah. With the emergence of players like, like William Abreu and Sedan Rafaela, it kind of makes me wonder if they may decide to – uh, if they may decide to uh, to get rid of him this off season, he's got a lot of talent, but he's had some ups and downs. He's had injuries, and obviously doesn't hit lefties the best. They platoon him a lot. That's always a bit of an issue. Yeah, I mean they they just brought up two young guys who can play center field. He's really young too, though. I mean, man, I mean he's got a lot of talent. I would be Larry. I wouldn't I wouldn't go out of my way to try to move him, but it wouldn't shock me if they did. He's a really good young player. Yeah, it it would be very it would be very surprising to me I I believe especially considering this is a guy who is dealing with with mental health issues as well. Uh, oh, 
you know, for a guy who finally gets his big break in the majors, he was made a mockery of last season. He's now won fans over this season. I, I can tell you, for one, uh, most Red Sox fans do not want to see him get moved at all. Uh, but chances are they are probably going to move a outfielder this season, this offseason. I don't know if it'll be Duran. I don't know if it'll be Verdugo. But yeah. it's yeah. It's, there's probably going to be he's been in trouble. He 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 came to the stadium late. He's Verdugo's been a headache all year. He's kind of like the least upside. I mean, look at the young Rafaela Abar. Um, Yoshida's awesome. He's not going anywhere. He's been great. 300 hitter for Boston. I mean, they have a pretty stacked outfield. I, I would definitely move on from Verdugo. He wouldn't be in the future for me. If I, yeah. if I were, you know, the, the Sox don't need Verdugo. They have better younger players to, to, to take that playing time. Yeah. Especially, like I said, with the emergence of players like uh, William Abreu, who has proven that he should stay up in the majors for the rest of the year. And Sedan Rafaela, the same thing. I think Sedan Rafaela should have the opportunity, uh, now that he's gotten called up, to prove that he can stay at the major league level. Uh, also, Emmanuel Valdez, who got called up, who got called back up as part of the September call-ups. But mm-hmm. let's be perfectly honest; he should have never been sent down in the first place. Instead, they they sent him down to bring up, to bring back up Yu Chang, who uh, who had an uh, had an unfortunate incident take place last night at the Wu Sox game out in Worcester, where he uh, he ended up get, he ended up colliding with a. Uh, he ended up colliding with a with another player at first base. He ended up having to be taken out and taken away by paramedics. Uh, so hopefully everything's okay with him. But uh, needless to say, I think now is the time where the Red Sox need to go and look towards the future at this point. Because and then you got two spots right there, Duvall. And Adam Duvall's been good, but he's, what, 36, 37? He's a free agent. And then I would move on for Duco. Then you still have Yoshida, Abreu, Rafaela, and Duran. I mean, that's still a nice right. nice outfield. Verdugo's just kind of been a headache. And, I mean, he's kind of just an average player. I don't think he's worth the salary or kind of the, I don't know, some of the players. He's just not, not an elite player, I don't think. The Mookie Betts deal is always going to be an infamous deal where they got just hammered. Verdugo was not a good return for Mookie Betts. I don't know who could be, but he ain't it. Well, this is part of what made me think that they should have moved Verdugo as well is because of everything that we've, uh, you know, everything that we've seen take place. I, I mean, you remember, I'm pretty sure you guys remember me saying this on the podcast before. That yeah, I knew exactly what was going to play out. The Red Sox were going to, they were probably going to stay right in the middle, which they basically did, and they would then they would have a massive downfall, which they have. I mean, I know people may say three games isn't that much of a difference, but it is a big difference. It is yeah. a pretty big difference when you're talking uh, the, clo- the 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 closer you get to playoff time, uh, 
a difference of three games is a huge difference. So instead of instead of being on the brink of potentially being in a wild card spot, they're now six games back. And it's all because Hein Bloom didn't want to add pitching. Right. So I mean, and, and you know, not ju- not just that too, but uh, you know, it just it just seems like players that everybody knew were going to falter after the deadline, like James Paxton. James Paxton has run out of steam, so yeah. you know, pa- Paxton has run out of steam. He's basically. I mean, he had his worst start of his career yesterday in that game against Kansas City. This guy's um, been very good. Got injured a lot, man. He's, he was risky, you know. He's not a sure thing any year. He's like a Michael Walker. Yeah. Like, can you, you can't really trust on him. When, he, when he's healthy, he's awesome. But his injuries are too darn uh, frequent, you know. You can't really trust him in the clutch. Yeah. You know, they needed more help with, with, with the arms. Well, let me put it this way. I'd rather have Michael Walker on this team right now. Yeah. I mean, Corey Kluber, I mean, some of these one-year deals, it's like if you're really a World Series team, a big market like Boston, like, why didn't they – were they even in a discussion at all about, like, Jordan Montgomery or Verlander or Scherzer? I mean, that's kind of where you can really go in if you're going to go for it. Actually, for Verlander, uh, apparently – an offer was made by, or, or uh, what's it called? The Mets, the Mets approached them, but they wanted, they wanted yeah. each of the top four. They yeah. wanted each of the top four prospects that the Red Sox have. And the Red Sox laughed oh, at them and said, no. That's a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. Nice try, Matt. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. So uh, just to, just to give you a, a glimpse of what that would have been. That would have meant Marcelo Meyer, Roman Anthony, Sedan Rafaela, and Miguel Blaise all going to New York. And that was just the starting point, <laughs> my add. Yeah, click, dial tone. You don't even entertain that call. I'm sorry, but uh but New York they were huffing uh they were huffing the uh the heavy duty paint when they made that call. <laughs> They're hoping Shane was out, so, was out of his head or something. But yeah, it's a ridiculous fun. proposal. Not going to get the top four prospects for a 40-year-old pitcher. No can do. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, especially for a guy like Bloom, for a guy for a guy like Bloom who is so obsessed with his prospects, I'm actually happy Bloom didn't make that deal because Meyer is supposed to make the team at some point next year. Rafaela, obviously, we saw get called up. Uh, Blaze, Blaze, and Anthony won't be around until 2026. But yeah. uh, I mean, if Anthony continues hitting at the pace he's hitting, it may be sooner than 2026 that we see Roman Anthony in the majors. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, they could have gone in here. To mention, I was just going to say quickly. I mean, they could have gone all in, but all is not lost because they they have a lot of good young players. I'm even impressed with some of the. A few of the Yankees guys that got called up, but I mean, maybe it's better for Boston to keep kind of infusing more and more youth as far as 
now at least you got the two really good young outfielders up, and you can see some, some future right. prospects that are playing. You know, instead of waiting until you know, that's, that's another until that's another one. Uh, it's funny that you talk about Yankees. Jason Dominguez, yeah. good God, yeah. the power in uh, his back. He did his luck. He hit third tonight. They beat the Astros again. I'm just saying. Yeah. You know, don't don't plan the parade yet, but they're showing some signs of new blood. And I mean, that's what the Yankees need. Yeah. You can't keep trotting out Rizzo and uh, you know these older Stanton. I mean, they got to turn the page and get younger. And now, exactly. I don't think it's sustainable for this year. But hey, Lou, you got to be excited. I mean, they're going to Houston now. They have what three or four yeah. rookies starting, and they 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 won the first two games in Houston this weekend. I mean, That's what are your right. thoughts on that? It's pretty awesome. This new rookie, you know, he might be our answer. You know, first up bat, he gets a home run. So yeah, don't tell him out yet. They may be in last place, but now they're just two games below 500. They can make a stretch run here, and you know, most of the games are at home. Uh, in September are at home, and they're much better at home than they are on the road. So uh, I wouldn't count them out just yet. To win the division, probably not. But I think they got a good chance to make the wild card. And plus two, when you look at when you look at uh, the struggles that rookies might have, like for example, uh, their their rookie catcher Austin Wells is only hitting 143. Uh, Dominguez is hitting 222. But let's keep in mind. Uh, look at look at what Tristan Casas was hitting this season before he well, turned man, that they just, corner. They just, I mean, they just. It's been a couple of days. Dominguez looks awesome already. Wells can hit it hard. I guess the question on him is maybe how good of a defensive catcher he is. But I mean, it's it's they have new energy. That was the slowest, like flattest team for a long time, and at least they're kind of they're they're showing some signs of life now. Definitely, right. But, I mean, you know, Tristan Casas, uh, he started off the year hitting, like, well below 200. And now he's up to a 265 batting average, 22 homers, 55 RBIs. So, wow. you know, just because just because they're off to a potential slow start when it comes to batting average, uh, you've got to if – this, if this is a, a highly prized rookie – you gotta, you just gotta ride the rookie. You gotta let him play, give, give him every day at bats. Of course. Let him, let him work, work through the growing pains, basically. I mean, I'm look surprised at, they look waited that the, long. This, I know Dominguez is younger. Wells is a little older. He, I don't, people were saying, oh, maybe not ready defensively, like I said, but I'm surprised they waited this long. I mean, they. Imagine if the Yankees had done this a month ago. They might even be, you know, even better shape right now because they're, like, really turning it around yeah. suddenly. We'll see what they do the next Possibly. week or so. But, yeah. Right. Two games is two games, but small sample size. But it looks they're like there's, there's a new – they've turned a new corner. How far Yeah, I mean, I mean I'll, I'll, put, it there, I'll put it this way. I do think – I do yeah. think Boone still needs to be fired. But, uh, yeah. you know, they're definitely – They've definitely turned the right corner. I mean, it took them forever to release Josh Donaldson, who, by the way, is now a now a Milwaukee Brewer. Uh, but Donaldson, you know, Donaldson was a was a release that was a long time coming. Should have happened a long time ago. Um, but needless to say, though, you know, this is. 
I think the Yankees have turned – I don't think – I mean, let's put it this way. The the Yankees, where they are right now in the standings, they're not going to make – I don't think they'll make the wild card because there's a lot of things that are going to have to happen. They're eight and a half games back in the wild card. A lot of things will have to happen in order for them to make the wild card. First, they'd have to get past Boston. They have to get past Toronto. Um mm. Yeah, I, I just don't see that, see that happening. Uh, but sure. I think next year, though, next year, uh, if they decide to go the youth route, that could prove to be that could prove vital to the Yankees' uh, chances of getting back to uh, getting back to sustained success. Yeah, I mean, just 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 look at the the mighty look at each roster in the AL East. A lot of good young players. <laughs> Baltimore, Tampa, Boston, Toronto, Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero. Like, you got to get younger, man. Those are talented young players. Like the Yankees had to do it, and now they're looking better already. And by the way, speaking of the Orioles, they claimed Jorge Lopez off of waivers from the Marlins. Huh? But Marlins are really he, falling apart. He is, he is ineligible, though, for their postseason roster, uh, considering that he was claimed after the deadline, after the uh, after the August deadline. Uh, but uh, he will be pretty vital for them in the last month, uh, the last month of the season here, as they look to uh, to lock up their playoff spot. So. You know, it's 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 so weird. It just it feels like there's a a big changing of the guard, basically, when it comes to when it comes to the American League East. But it used to be yeah, Boston and New York at the top for so long, and now we're seeing Baltimore, Tampa, and Toronto take over. It's an incredible division, man. It's from afar, you know, as a Mets fan, just looking over there. It's, it's a lot of the best young players in the league. I mean, from Vlad Guerrero to all the, you know, the race, uh, uh, then Gunnar Henderson, the great majority of the Rays are all under, like, 24 years old. And then um, Toronto is Vlad and Bo. I, I think it's going to be a good thing for the Yankees. they got to keep getting a little bit younger each time. they got to get rid of Stanton. Yeah. That's the one thing they really got to get rid of eventually. He's like a dead weight anchor in the oh, middle yeah. lineup. Yeah, he's basically Chris Davis to them now. Yeah, <laughs> he's definitely out of time in pinstripes. They got to they got to move on from him. And for people who don't remember, for people who don't remember, Chris Davis was was most notably known for his home run or strikeout type <laughs> of gameplay uh, when he right. was a uh, Baltimore Oriole. I think so, they're still paying him like uh, the Bobby Bonilla treatment. I think they're still paying the Chris Davis. He got like three hundred oh, million know. just. Immediately started hitting like 120, right when they paid him. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a blast. Uh, uh, Giancarlo Stanton is is headed da- is headed down that route. Put it that way. How would they get rid of him? They can they cut him and then just eat his contract. He's got a couple of years left. Lou, how many? Do you know how many more years? Uh, has? You know what? I'll look that up right now. Actually, for Stanton. Yeah. Um. So after this year, at the end of this year, it will be one, two, three, four, 
Four more years guaranteed, and he has a club option in 2028. Wow. So 2028 would be, and he has, not to mention he has a full no-trade clause, uh, but tw- uh, 2028 would be the first opportunity that the Yankees would have to be rid of him uh, through other means not involving a trade. Interesting. I think they might eat a salary eventually. Maybe I, I don't know. Maybe this possibly. Year. I don't know. Possibly. A lot different than trying to move uh, on now. Because of all those years. Yeah. Now, now let's go to the NFL as we have official roster cut down down to the fifty-three man rosters yep. for each team. And I got to tell you. Uh, when it comes to my New England Patriots, shocking. I'll put it this way. It's shocking that, number one, Mac Jones was the only quarterback on the roster at the end of cutdown day. They cut Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham. Chase McSorley we saw coming, but uh, – I was stunned, Bailey Zappi. Although I guess they were proven right, though, because uh, he he did revert to the practice squad. But surprisingly, no team claimed him. Uh, not to mention, they also claimed uh, Matt Corral off of waivers from the Carolina Panthers. So Matt Corral, because of NFL rules, after after somebody's been claimed, they must spend three weeks on the 53-man roster before they can be before they can be moved off of the roster at any point. So, right now, New England's yeah, quarterback, it, it, their backup quarterback is Matt Corral, who played at Auburn in the SEC. And it's making me wonder if the Patriots are going with an Alabama-style offense. Because Bill O'Brien, it's almost becoming abundantly clear to me more and more that Bill O'Brien has officially taken control of the offensive side of the ball from Belichick. Because Bailey Zappi was a Belichick guy. Unless Belichick had had a sudden change of heart and decided that he wasn't going to – that that he didn't like what Zappi brought this uh, this preseason, which to be fair, nobody liked what he brought. Uh, but I think the Patriots, what they might be doing is they might be doing a little bit of roster juggling. And what I mean is, uh, per NFL rules, a player can be elevated from the practice squad three times before they must be put on the 53-man roster permanently each season. I'm wondering if Belichick may be doing that with the backup quarterback position, where he'll call up Zappi one week, call up Cunningham the next week, and back and forth, back and forth, until until, uh, three options are used up. It's a unique approach. I mean, calling up a backup every week. I, I don't. Bill Bill's known to do things his way, right? So there's one guy that can pull it off, right? Him, but I've I've never really seen it happen. 
but I guess, you know, they're hoping Max stays healthy or maybe they're looking to draft or, I don't know, or add someone else. But, yeah, it's interesting. Now, as far as the other New York – as far as the New York teams go, uh, James Robinson for the Giants was probably the most notable name that got waved there. Well, actually, no, Jamison Crowder, too. But Crowder, I think, is kind of washing out of the league, possibly. Um, Used to be good. He hasn't been the same – he hasn't been the same in recent years. Uh, no. The Jets, I'm kind of surprised that they went with Zach Wilson as their second quarterback, considering what Tim Boyle did during the preseason. I still think they see some potential in him as a backup to run under Rodgers. I mean, what was he, the third pick? They're kind of saddled to him, like they got to have him, but I, I still see there's a the potential for him. I mean, Potentially, up, yeah. I mean, if, if the Jets probably view it as, okay, if Rodgers goes down, we're kind of screwed anyways. So it's almost like they're, they're spending money in draft picks elsewhere. Right. They can't be I, over I mean, Wilson, with their backup TV. They're paying a lot of good players I'll, in other positions. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say this about Wilson. You know, Wilson, it's, it's not saying that Wilson did badly during the preseason. I'm not saying that at all. Wilson actually did pretty good in the yeah. preseason. I was just surprised that the Jets didn't hold on to a third quarterback in Boyle. Oh, because yeah. Tim Boyle yeah. put up some pretty good numbers during the preseason. Did he sign anywhere else? Maybe they oh, can still bring him back. Or... I don't think so. I don't think uh, – I, I think he may have signed with the practice squad possibly. Lou, what do you think? As a Jets fan, Lou, what do you think? If, if Rodgers goes down for a month, four games, how many games can Zach Wilson win out of four? One. He's serviceable, right? What's that? One. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. He's at he's least under, uh, under one of the best. I mean, if he's going to salvage his career, it's going to be learning from Rodgers for, for a bit. Yeah. He came in after one year. I don't know, totally though. wrong. They made him a starter after one good year at, what, BYU? I mean, it was kind of like un- yeah. they threw him right into the yeah. fire, kind of young, kind of kind of undeveloped. Maybe he sits back and learns for a know, year though. or two, and then maybe, maybe he can be a good quarterback in like a year or two. He's learning right Wilson now. Wilson looked good, though. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Wilson was good. They also didn't have as good of a roster, and they, but they threw him in right away as a starter, remember? And he was really young. He had one good college year. That's it. I don't think he was ready. Right. I mean, I think he could maybe I'd he could his career. I'd say the other, the other big surprise coming from the Jets is they, uh, they decided to not go with Thomas Morstead as their punter. Because if anybody remembers, Morstead was known for having one of the biggest legs in the NFL when it came to punting all those years with the uh, with the New Orleans Saints. Interesting. And uh, well, actually, no. Wait a minute. Let me see. Uh, it says he. Wait a minute. It says he's still a member of the Jets, but yet it says that he was a roster cut. So, hang on. Is he still with the Jets then? Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, yep. never mind. So, uh, he did rejoin the club as a, uh, as a, as a free agent. So, all right. Well, that's actually that's actually a good move by uh, by the Jets. 
Because Morstead is definitely he definitely still has the leg. That much that much I know. He, and he's also he's probably one of the best uh, when it comes at positioning punts too, like where to locate the ball uh, out on the field after he's made that after he's made that punt. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm, I know I've been hooting and hollering about him a bit, but I definitely believe in the Jets, and I think the Giants. I think both New York teams are going to really come out of nowhere and both make the playoffs, unless something, you know, drastic injuries happen. I think they're both, both right. playoff teams, finally, again, again, finally, both of them. I think the Giants are much improved, too. Darren Waller, uh, they've added a lot of some good weapons offensively. I don't know, we'll see. Yeah. Lou, you think the Jets are definitely playoffs, Lou? What do you think? As a wild card, yes. Um, you know, but yeah. I don't think we're going to get past it. I think we're going to be expecting too much uh, from Rodgers, and if Wilson does actually do something uh, this year, then get injured. But I still think it's actually an awful lot to get past, you know, the wild card round. At least some excitement back, though. It's going to be it's going to be a fun ride. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see the yeah, Eagles. Pessimistic. Pessimistic suggestion. I understand. E- in, in my opinion, I think maybe the two biggest surprises on the Eagles was they cut Trey Sermon, who many people yeah. thought Trey Sermon would make it over Boston Scott. Yeah, and uh, they also cut greedy. They also cut greedy Williams as well. Yeah, well, I mean Sermon's just too many players in the running backs room. I mean Kenny Gainwell is probably the starter, and then they added DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny, former first round pick of the Seahawks. And then they still they have the giant killer Boston Scott still. He's just the, the gadget guy who he'll, he'll play like one or two snaps a game and he'll probably make a good like somehow. He's a good player. So yeah, it's like they just didn't have room for Sermon really. He already had, they, that, he would have been the fifth running back on the roster. Yeah, it's it, it just, it, it just seemed it was kind of odd. It just Fourth seemed it was kind of odd though much. because. It, it, it's yeah. almost like Boston Scott only made the team because of his because because of his past with the Eagles. That's not true. Right. Yeah, he's kind when of yeah, during the and... during the preseason he barely put up anything when he did play. Yeah, he's the old reliable veteran. He's made some plays, some big plays through the years, especially against the Giants. I don't know. They just again that's. That's already four is a lot. If you look at the NFL teams, I don't think many teams have four running backs. So, I mean, Sermon would have been a fifth. No. You could have, you could have cut Scott, but still, I mean, they already have four with Scott. He's already right. Alive. I don't know. And Hurts is the best running back they have. So, it's kind of confusing that they would keep four as is. I don't know. Sermon looks good, though. He, he got picked up by someone else, right? Yeah. He looks like a good runner. Uh, I don't know, actually. Let me... Yeah, I mean, how, look at backup uh, Stevenson. He, he could, if I were Belichick, I'd take him as a backup to Stevenson. Oh, the looks pretty good. He reverted to the he reverted to the injured reserve. That's why they oh, released they him. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, he looked good because yeah. he reverts. He reverts to injured reserve after he suffered an injury in their preseason finale. He was he was a high draft pick of the Niners. They got rid of him surprisingly and just. I think he'll surface somewhere. So now it basically says here that he will have to negotiate an injury settlement with the Eagles if he wants a chance to search for an opportunity with a new team this season. Otherwise, oh, okay. 
this will likely keep him out for for the entire year. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, meanwhile, too there, many guys are, there are some players uh, who are out for the year already uh, when it comes to uh, season-ending injured reserve. Uh, in particular, I believe we already talked about him last week, Ryan Jensen with the Buccaneers. Yes. Uh, not, just, not just injured reserve, but his career may be over in general. Um, let's see. Let me bring up the uh, let me bring up the list here. Uh, Kyler Murray will start off the year on the physically unable to perform list, uh, which mean which which is why they. It's actually kind of more shocking now that they got rid of uh, Colt McCoy in that case. Um, yeah. Dobbs is their starter, I guess. The guy they just signed. Wow. Yeah, Dobbs. Dobbs is the starter. Yeah. They're, oh man, they lost Hopkins. I mean, they, yeah, they're really. That's going to be maybe the worst team in the league. Possibly. Uh, basically, yeah. From what it sounds like, it sounds like that he that uh they're basically looking forward to towards uh the number one overall pick potentially. Caleb Williams. Yeah, maybe they get the Heisman winner. I think that's my yeah. dark, uh, my early favorite for him. He looks like the next number one big time quarterback in USC, just from what I've seen. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, for like, the Buffalo. Yeah, go for it. Go, Bill. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say maybe yeah, it's interesting. Teams are already kind of scheming like team like the Cardinals. They already probably have their eyes on someone you know number one next year. I mean that seems probably in no, yeah. no shape to contend. They're in no shape to contend right now. I mean, why why else why else would they start a, a first year, uh, or why why would they have a rookie uh, a rookie coach like Jonathan Gannon and basically give him nothing to work with this first year? Yeah, a first uh, act for him to follow. Uh, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Von Miller will start the season on the physically unable to perform list, so he will be out at least the first month of the season. Uh, that's no, actually a pretty big blow to their defense. What was that? Yeah. Well, you know, Diane is a Bills fan. That's going to make her awful young, Harry. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. It's. Uh, I-, I was actually I was talking with a, uh, with a Bills fan. Huh? You didn't hear it from me. No, <laughs> but I, I was just, I was talking with a Bills fan actually uh, on Facebook uh, that I've that I've talked with for a couple of years, and I, uh, yeah, they're actually, uh, you know, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty significant blow to that defense uh, yeah. to not have Von Miller out there the first uh, the first month of the season. Yeah, but it's going to be a good one. Uh, Opening up uh, Buffalo Jets week one will be a good one. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Some of the other notable names on the injury uh, on the injury list. Uh, Jakeem Grant, uh, he, his season is officially over with his knee injury. So he was placed on, uh, on season-ending injured reserve there. 
looks like nothing really for the Cowboys. Nothing of uh, of note, I can say. Yeah, nothing significant. Uh, like as as far as notable players, no notable players that I that I can right. recognize. Um, Denver, Jerry Judy, but he is not being placed on injured reserve, so. Looks like he may actually be good to go, potentially. Uh, maybe not to start the season, but he won't miss much time. Right. Uh, let's see. Detroit, Nate Sudfeld was placed on injured reserve, so basically they don't have a backup. And Hendon Hooker was placed on the reserve non-football injury list, so I don't know what that means in terms of how long he'll have to be out. Uh, the first-year uh, first quarterback. Uh, let's see. Green Bay, I don't really see anybody of note there. Houston, not really. Oh, Indianapolis. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor will start the season on physically unable to perform. Not just that, but also uh, they have refused uh, to accommodate his trade request as well. So they believe that the Colts or the Colts believe that they can still repair their relationship with him. But I don't know. It just it seems like they're alienating. You know, they're alienating him more and more. So I don't know if I would really put any stock into that. Um, starting a rookie quarterback, Anthony Richardson from Florida. I mean. They're kind of rebuilding, but he's still young too. What is it, thirty fourth year? I mean, he's not he's not a real older veteran. But yeah, the owner really uh, upset him. So I think they'll eventually move him for a bunch of picks or for a few picks at least, like McCaffrey. Yeah, possibly. Uh, Chris Jones uh, for the Chiefs was placed on the reserve, did not report list, so he is still in a holdout. Uh, for the Chiefs. For the Raiders, nobody of note. Chargers, doesn't look like... Doesn't look like there's anybody of note for the Chargers either. The Rams, uh, Cooper Cup, apparently will be visiting a specialist again uh, for another hamstring pull. He had two hamstring pulls, apparently, during during this preseason. And he's seeing a specialist. Wow. Uh, he's seeing a specialist for what potentially might be the issue that's causing that. Uh, other than that, nobody of note there for the Rams. Uh, Jalen Ramsey was placed on injured reserve for the Dolphins, so he's out for the year. Uh, nobody else of note from what it looks like here. For the Vikings, I don't see anybody. Uh, Patriots, they place Tyquan Thornton on injured reserve, so he will be out. Uh, I don't think it's for the season. He'll be out for a certain amount of time. Uh, Connor McDermott was placed on season-ending injured reserve, as was Isaiah Bolden after Bolden suffered that concussion in uh, the game in the preseason against the Packers. 
Uh, Trey Flowers is still on the physically unable to perform list, as well as Cody Davis. And, oh, yeah, the Patriots signed Jalen Rager as well this past week. Former, and former Eagles first rounder. Former Eagles, Eagles first rounder, exactly. First round pick, the pick before, Justin Jefferson. Good job by the Eagles. And I guess part of the reason for that is because Devontae Parker missed practice randomly with a undisclosed uh, issue this past week. So who knows when it comes to him. Uh, Riley Reef, I think, was also placed on – wait a minute. Let me double-check that. Uh, Riley Reef may have been placed on injured – wait. No, maybe not. Mm. Although he wasn't present at practice, but maybe oh, – okay, no, never mind. He did make the roster, so he's probably fine. Because uh, I know he suffered that an injury against the Titans. Uh, let's see. The Saints, nobody of note. The Giants. The Giants. Nobody of note as far as I'm aware. Okay. And same thing with the same thing with the Jets as well. Oh no, uh the Jets was Corey Davis, but Corey Davis is Corey retired Davis. anyway, so Oh that's right. Yeah. Yeah, he's retired, so um All right, well, he's retired. for the Eagles for the Eagles, like I said, uh Trey Sermon on injured reserve, nobody else there. Pittsburgh, nobody. Uh, San Francisco, Nick Bosa is out due to a contract dispute. So he's a holdout. Um, Looks like Jake Moody, their kicker, will be healthy soon, according to Coach Kyle Shanahan. So... So there's nothing uh, of note there, but Zane Gonzalez did play, did get placed on injured reserve. So they must feel that Moody will be ready for week one because they didn't sign another yeah. kicker, I don't think. Uh, it's already been reported that Jamal Adams will not suit up week one for the Seahawks against the Rams due to his quadricep injury. Yeah. Uh, but And as far as... Uh, Oh, okay. Never mind. The rookie uh, receiver did uh, did take did take part in practice. Um, oh, uh, not injury, not injury uh, note noteworthy. But Mike Evans has informed the Buccaneers that he will stop contract discussions on September ninth. Oh, yeah. So, so oh, look man, at Evans as potentially. Look at Evans as potentially being a trade candidate. Dude, Hall of Fame style. I mean, look at the, just the Patriots. Yes, he would be awesome there. Giants or Jets. I mean, Jets are loaded, but receivers. But, I mean, Giants, he'd be perfect there. That would be a huge move if he got Oh, moved. easily. I would easily, I would easily awesome. welcome him over. Six foot five, like 100 catches a year. That guy's amazing. Hall of Famer. I would easily welcome him over. I would say, come on down. Come on down to New England, please. He's one of the funnest wide receivers to watch. The guy's a giant, and he's and he's fast, too. Yeah, he'd be, yeah. He'd be awesome wherever he goes. 
if not, uh, he's not a big believer see, in it. His, 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 his new quarterback, Baker, is not really having him believe in Tampa Bay. <laughs> Mike wants yeah. that. Right. Uh, Washington, there was nobody of note. Um, it looks like Derek Barnett, though, may want to play elsewhere this season for the Eagles because yeah, he, he is gauging uh, a potential trade out of out of Philly. And kind of a first-round bust besides the strip sack of Brady in the Super Bowl. I mean, he was a first-rounder out of Tennessee, and he's really not done much. They're going to, I guess, get rid of him. Right. Never really lived up to his yeah, job. Yeah, that's first. No, not really. Oh, I forgot, on about, uh, I, I forgot about the Cardinals. Uh, Pat F-Line, uh, their center, will be out for the season due to a undisclosed issue. Uh, so hip surgery, hip surgery ended his 2022 season, but – uh, it's unknown whether or not it, that is contributing to this season as far as him missing this season. And as we talked about with Ryan Jensen, uh, Ian Rappaport did say that his injury is likely career ending. And if he, do, and, uh, if he does officially retire, uh, it would help the Buccaneers who would leave $4.7 million in dead money to release Jensen as a post-June cut next offseason. Interesting. Uh, this one was a shocker. The New Orleans Saints traded kicker Will Lutz to the Denver Broncos. Uh, Willie Lutz. Yeah. So Will Lutz will be the kicker for Denver this season. I'm still kind of surprised that they didn't keep Brandon McManus, to be perfectly honest. Um, they went to Jacksonville. Yeah. And speaking of kickers, uh, Nick Folk is now a Tennessee Titan after losing the kicking battle to rookie fourth-rounder Chad Ryland. Uh, the Patriots traded folks to the Tennessee Titans for a 2025 seventh-round pick, which, I mean, to be perfectly honest, they could have they could have probably gotten a lot more for folk, but uh, apparently that's the uh, that's the going rate for uh, for kickers in this uh, in uh, this trade market for the free season. was a, uh, a 2025 seventh-round pick. Um, yeah. The Chargers, they traded kicker Dustin Hopkins to the Browns for a 2025 seventh-round pick as well. So, you know, it's basically that's the, that's the going rate for kickers in the, uh, when, it come, when it comes to the trade market for, uh, you know, for the postseason or for the preseason. Uh, and that now that means that Katie York has officially been cut. That, you know, that's another uh, that's another surprise cut as well. Is Cade York after he had uh, that? I believe he had that record-setting kick uh, for for Cleveland last year during during his rookie season out of L. Uh, I believe he went to LSU. Not sure. I don't know. I I think it was LSU, but uh, yeah. 
regardless, you know, still, it's uh, you know, it was kind of a surprise that they that they replaced him after just one season. The Eagles yeah. surprisingly signed Isaiah Rogers, formerly of the Colts after he was suspended for the league uh, by the league for this season after violating the league's gambling protocol. Huh. So they and it sounds like he was going to be he will be a member of the special teams. So yeah, he's, gonna, he's not going to play this year I don't think. He's just I think it's mostly no. for next year. Yeah. So they they, I guess they wanted to jump on him early instead of just letting him sit out the entire season. And I mean, he was going to sit out anyways, but uh, he probably still would have been a free agent by this time, by, by the off season. So, I don't him. know. That's kind of a head scratcher to me. Get him for a bit of a discount. They probably liked him for a while, and he got himself in a little bit of trouble, so they probably got him at a big discount. Yeah, let him sit out of here. Uh, the Raiders, yeah. they traded defensive tackle Neil Farrell to the Chiefs for a six-round pick. Um, so that might that might say something about their current negotiations with their holdout, Chris Jones. Uh, Farrell was actually drafted by the Raiders in the fourth round last year. So that kind of makes me wonder if maybe, per, maybe perhaps uh, Jones' holdout may go for quite some time here uh, with Kansas yeah. City. Uh, let's see. The Bills, they traded edge rusher Carlos Basham to the Giants for a 2025 draft pick. Uh, it doesn't say what round it was, but, um, he adds to their pass rush after they acquired, uh, Isaiah Simmons from the Cardinals last week. They now added Basham, who was a former 2021 second round pick. Uh, however, mm-hmm. in 23 games, he's only totaled four and a half sacks. Uh, but he could serve as a situational pass rusher under Wink Martindale in the, in his uh, blitz-heavy scheme. Uh, the Patriots made a couple of trades, uh, not just Nick Folk, but they also traded running back Pierre Strong to the Browns for offensive, ty- uh, offensive tackle Tyrone Wheatley. Uh, also, they acquired Vidarian they acquired Vidarian Lau from the Vikings for a sixth round pick. Uh, Lau or Low or no? Yeah, it's probably Low. Uh, Vidarian Low. Uh, that one actually makes sense because Low is a former player uh, of Brett Belima, who was the offensive line coach, or he was an offensive assistant for the Patriots when they won their last Super Bowl. So. Uh, that one makes a lot of sense. And, I mean, it makes sense anyways, because the Patriots, uh, judging by the preseason, they're in desperate need of offensive line help. So Yes. Never have enough linemen. Yeah. And needless to, needless to say, our linemen this offseason or this preseason were turnstiles. So. Not a good sign. If Matt no. has any chance to success, they got to block for him. Yeah. However, though, there is, there is a good sign, though. Mac Jones apparently is in a lot higher spirits this, uh, this preseason. Uh, he walks around now like he owns the joint, like, like there's no other quarterback yeah, right now that can, uh, 
But uh, basically, he's walking around with a little bit more of a swagger. Like, he's in a lot better spirits compared to where he was last season, where uh, it was hard to even have him crack a smile. When the uh, play for him. Yeah, when they had different players. Exactly. Different coaches every Sunday, like, oh, I'll try calling the plays for him. Mac was like, what's going on? <laughs> Finally, some stability. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's partly why he's in a lot better mood now is because of the fact that he's dealing with, uh, he's dealing with different, um, you know, with a different coordinator, like an actual offensive coordinator. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, they signed tight end T.J. Hawkinson to a four-year, $68.4 million contract extension through 2027. And honestly, it only felt like a matter of time uh, before they agreed to a long-term deal. Uh, after after the Vikings paid quite a pretty penny to acquire him last uh, at the deadline last season. Uh, he is expected to be the number two target in Minnesota's offense this season after closing out his year last year with career highs and catches with 86 and yards with 914. Uh, also around the league, uh, Jaguars linebacker Ventrell Miller suffered an Achilles injury, so he is done for the year. Uh, now the rookie, the rookie fourth-round pick is is expected to miss the season after being selected with the uh, 121st pick in this year's draft by Doug Peterson. Uh, Let's see. The Dolphins, they traded offensive guard Dan Feeney to the Chicago Bears for a 2024 sixth-round pick, and it sounds like he will have a chance to start in week one for the Bears. Uh, after starting guard Tevin Jenkins is considered week-to-week with a leg injury that he suffered earlier this offseason. However, though, Feeney does have 96 career games to his name, including 64 career starts, so he is considered to be a serviceable replacement until Jenkins is ready to go. Uh, The Kansas City Chiefs, they traded wide receiver Amir Smith-Marset and a 2025 seventh-round pick for the Panthers in exchange for a 2025 seventh-round pick. Um, I don't know why, but apparently they decided (laughs) to do so. I don't know why they needed to add a pick to it, but, yeah. That's something to do. And also, yeah. And and, and also, uh, to close out the NFL, the uh, Miami Dolphins, they signed defensive lineman Zach Seiler to a three-year, $30.8 million extension, including $20 million guaranteed, and he can make up to $35 million with incentives. Uh, a nice raise for the 2018 seventh rounder after he became a full-time starter for the first time last year. Uh, so now with this extension, he is signed with Miami through the 2026 season. Over in soccer, John Herdman is leaving the Canadian men's national team to become the new head coach of Toronto FC in Major League Soccer. Uh, Herdman leaves Team Canada with a 36 uh, with a record of 36 wins, eight draws, and 14 losses. 
between 2018 and 2023. Uh, he also had a 62-win, 14-draw, and 32-loss record with the women from to, from 2011 to 2018. So, needless to say, he brings a lot of experience uh, to Toronto FC as their new head coach. Uh, also, New England Revolution defender Brandon By has undergone knee surgery to repair his torn ACL. Uh, so, he will be out the next nine months after suffering the injury in the team's League's Cup match on August 3rd. Uh, this could potentially, I believe, put his status with the U.S. men's national team in jeopardy, too, considering uh, he is one of their defenders that they sometimes like to use. Uh, Let's see. Over to the NBA. Uh, The Boston Celtics have agreed to a one-year deal with Sabi Mikhailiuk. Hopefully I said that right. Uh, one-year deal after he spent after he spent last season with Charlotte, where he had some big games down the stretch after the Hornets had already thrown in the towel for the season. Uh, he averaged, I think it was like 10.5 points per game or something as a starter. So uh, it's actually a pretty good depth uh, piece for Boston, I feel. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, he's probably not going to. He's probably not going to be seeing nearly the amount of time that he saw with, uh, you know, that, that he saw with with Charlotte. But definitely a a noteworthy piece. And I think the final roster spot may belong to Blake Griffin if he decides to come back for another season in Boston. Harry might go out to Golden State to be a Paul. That'd be kind of weird. Blake's been done for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no he's been done. He, he, he's been done, but at the same time, I mean, he did show flashes of his Look, former yeah. self last season. But I don't know. It just it just seemed like after he left Detroit, he just wasn't the same player. That's huge. Uh, Knee injuries, too. He used to be such a high flyer, and then he just kind of slowed down big time. True. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, he, did, he did suffer those injuries. He did have a couple of uh, injury-riddled seasons with not just L.A., but also Detroit. Um, although, to be fair, I think one of the Detroit seasons was during the COVID-shortened uh, year. So, um, yep. yeah, there is that. I mean, his last good season, I mean, he was serviceable off of the bench for Brooklyn, uh, but his last actual elite season was in 2018-2019, where he averaged 24.5 points per game for Detroit. Yeah. And that's, keep in mind, that's in 75 games. So um, it wasn't like it was an injury-shortened year for him. Uh, but then again, I think I think he was basically the centerpiece of that offense that year too. So, uh, but last year he only averaged about four point one points per game in sixteen starts out of forty one games that he played in with Boston. So, 
you know, he's he's good as a depth piece. Like if he, if I would I would rather have him start in a if he if if we need a uh, somebody to replace Al Horford or Chris Epps Porzingis or uh, or uh, Time Lord, I would rather have Blake Griffin go in there than I would rather than I would have uh, Luke Cornett. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Because uh. yeah, Griffin Griffin may not Griffin may not put up the numbers that he used to, but he he still has the length. Smart player. He still has the length that Boston's looking for. Yeah. You're right. In a couple minutes here and there, he can he can play. Just not yeah. extend it too much. Yeah, I mean, he averaged, uh, I think it's actually a career low. He averaged a career low 13.9 minutes last year on Boston's bench, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Rega- regardless, though, uh, it sounds like Boston is keeping him, uh, is keeping a spot open in case he does decide to return. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like he. It sounds like he's not. It's not out of the realm of possibility that he might. That he may decide to. Uh, it all depends on on uh, how far away he wants to be from his family. I guess. Yeah. Uh, also, after being waived by the Dallas Mavericks, Javale McGee has officially agreed to a deal with the Sacramento Kings. Um, after officially clay, uh, after officially clearing waivers, uh, he is likely going to be on the veterans minimum. Uh, they do have a non-guaranteed deal with one of their other players, so it looks like McGee will compete with Alex Len, Nerlens Noel, and Nemius uh, Queta for the right to back up Demontis Sabonis on that roster. Mm-hmm. So basically, you know, and it, it, it sounds like that's basically just a flyer for uh, for him to to try and to to try and latch on with another team. Uh, also noteworthy, uh, going back to wrestling for a second here, uh, Mercedes Monet, most notably known as Sasha Banks with the WWE. Uh, she was spotted at WW or at, at AEW All Out, uh, or I mean at AEW All In, I should say. All Out is tomorrow night, um, and she appeared in the crowd. And speculation is surrounding that AEW may have signed her to a contract. Uh, as first off, she's probably one of the top stars on the free agent market right now after leaving uh, World Wrestling Entertainment, uh, which, uh, might I add, uh, she ended up, like, WWE didn't didn't release her. She ended up walking out on the company um, Mm -hmm. because of how, because of how her and her tag team partner were being treated. Uh, But, Nonetheless, uh, if AEW has officially signed her, that would actually be a pretty big acquisition for them uh, as she's probably one of the more popular uh, women's wrestlers out there today. 
Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, by the way, Deion yeah. Sanders today has all of a sudden turned yeah. Colorado from being a, what, 1-11 team? Doormat, yeah. That they were last year? Yeah. And now all of a sudden they upset – they upset TCU with a 45 to 42 victory today. Yeah, I'm sorry. So his, his, son is, his son looks awesome. Five touchdowns, four dual threat running and throwing. And then they have, they, the other guy was, uh, they had a couple of the fastest players I've seen in a while. They, he recruited some incre- really good athletes, man. That's legit. I mean, they went into TCU, who was in the national championship game, into their house and beat them his first game as the head coach. I mean, I mean that's as big a win as you can pretty much get, especially yeah. to start your career. I mean, that was a one in eleven team last year. New coach, right. all new players, and they went into one of the best teams in the in the country and beat them in their house the first game, their very first game together. But who's to say they won't even get better the next couple of weeks? I don't know if they have the defense. Right. Exactly. I, mean, I saw a couple, I saw a couple of incredibly fast, really good athletes. I mean, they have some legit players. Yeah, and also and also his uh his son Shader Sanders actually set a Colorado uh record uh throwing for five hundred and ten yards uh on thirty eight of forty seven uh passing with four tu- with four passing touchdowns. And actually uh his Heisman odds shrunk from about twelve thousand five hundred to plus eight thousand. Off of that one game. <laughs> wow, it'll be fun. Who knows if it'll, if it'll last? Who knows if they can keep it going? I don't know if they have the defense, but it was a lot of fun to watch. Oh yeah, the run defense was atrocious. The run defense up the middle was absolutely atrocious. So they really need to clean that up. Yeah. But I mean, it, it was a good start. It was a good start for Colorado, who you know. I mean, a one and eleven team last year, and you know everybody was saying with Deion Sanders coming in that Deion Sanders isn't a college coach, you know right. that he isn't capable of coaching at a higher level uh, yeah, against, co- against higher level college teams. A lot of doubt, yeah. A lot of people naysayers, and you know, some a lot of people don't know a lot quietly questioning whether or not he could actually do it. But heck of a start. Heck of a debut! Yeah, definitely a uh, definitely a huge uh, a huge victory for him to start off his career. They now have, I believe, their next game is against Nebraska. I think next week. Wait, is that that's Nebraska or is yeah, that's Nebraska? They have curious speed and, like, aerial attack. I don't, Nebraska's a lot more blue-collar, probably, like, bigger, but Colorado's got some weapons, man. They'll probably, I think they'll go 2 ESPN, ESPN has Nebraska winning at a 75% rate. Mm. Wow. I mean, they just beat TCU. I, I don't think they're going to be scared in Nebraska, but, hey, it, it, I think it's going to be a good game. Is that in Nebraska? I think so too, but I, I think that they need to clean up. They need to clean up their defense. Yeah, there was just like a video game. It was like a shootout the whole game. It was back and forth. They got to play some games. Yeah, 
they need to clean up their they need to clean up their defense because uh you can't have a run defense like that and get lit up literally every single game. <laughs> it's not gonna last for long. You're right. I mean it was switched to up front, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh one surprise it was fun, though. here was Ohio jumping around, man. Yeah, that was pitiful. Did you guys see that game? Twenty three to three, are you kidding me? That's all yeah, it was ten to three. They kicked a long field goal to close the first half. It was like yeah. seven to three for like the first hour of the game, barely beating the Hoosiers. Yeah, they don't have a pro quarterback only, right now. McCord McCord threw one pick and didn't have any touchdowns either. Yeah, he looks pretty pretty bad. OSU. Uh, some people are saying now maybe they're they're going to step back this year. Maybe they're not going to be the same wow. OSU for this year. Yeah. yeah, Indiana's making plays against them. USC though, wow, sixty-six yeah. points, sixty-six to fourteen over Nevada. Caleb Williams throwing five touchdown passes. Wow. Um, I mean, granted it's Nevada, but uh, USC, you know, number yeah. six ranked. They got. I think they got Stanford next week. Uh, that should be an easy win. They have Colorado in a couple of weeks. Uh, USC, they might be a team to look at. They might be a, a serious contender to look at this year. Yeah, I'm getting more and more to watch more of the college teams the last year or two. And, I mean, I guess this guy really looks like the real deal of the number one pick, this USC quarterback, Williams. Yeah. He's got an explosive offense, awesome offense. Uh, North Carolina won the Battle of the Carolinas, 31-17. to 17. Uh, Let's see. Texas A&M whooped New Mexico, 52-10. to 10. Uh, Oh, just a, just a side note, UMass got absolutely embarrassed by Auburn. So, uh, yeah, for anybody thinking that UMass's win last week meant a turnaround, I could even tell you that there's no fucking way that UMass is even no. – <laughs> they're, they're decades away from ever being a threat in college football. Decades. Decades. 30, 30 recruiting classes. I'm just kidding. It just goes to show. Uh, I mean, you, know, you know, they're good, good players and proud guys that were awesome in high school. I mean, they just can't even compete, though, against these, these guys from Florida and Texas. It's just a different level. Right. They just can't get the same athletes. Uh, our, Really good players, but they Arkansas, can't Arkansas, under their new offensive coordinator, put up 56 points. Granted, it's Western Carolina, but still uh, 56 points uh, for the Arkansas offense to start off with a one uh, with their first win of the season. Arkansas offense, like this is, I'll tell you one thing: for games like this. Under Kendall Bryles, who surprisingly is the offensive coordinator of TCU now, who put up 42 points today, uh, this offense wouldn't have put up this much. They wouldn't have put up put up 56 points last year under Kendall Bryles in this game. Wow. They just wouldn't have because because Kendall Bryles decides to make all these stupid play calls, which honestly I believe that's yeah. what cost. Uh, that's what cost them against Colorado today was probably the stupid play calls. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see some of the, uh, Oh, uh, Fresno state upset Purdue. 
39 to 35. A lot of I know a lot of people had Purdue possibly on that one. Yeah. Uh, Boston College, uh, Boston College losing in overtime, 27-24. Uh, that's another season where Boston College decides to suck again. Uh, yeah, and because it, they used to be a legit team, BC. Man, it's been years. They used to be legit. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They used to be legit. Uh, they haven't been legit since Matt Ryan. Yeah, That's right. Kind of yeah. legit to quit. Uh, <laughs> Hammer time. So it's, I mean, it's honestly, it's 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 really embarrassing when it comes to that. Um, and money into the program, man. BC used to be good. Oh well, start a sidetrack. Uh, wasn't really that many other upsets I, I, or any uh, any surprises. I'd say, if anything, I'm surprised Michigan only put up 30 on East Carolina. But other than that, I mean, everything else is pretty much to be expected. I guess maybe, no, I don't know. Coastal Carolina was actually pretty good last year. So UCLA only up 14 to 6 right now. And BYU only with a seven nothing lead over Sam Houston. That's kind of surprising, actually, considering their spread was like thirty points. I think. Yeah. It's. I mean that that just shows that just shows you that college football is back. So. Wow, Oregon eighty one to seven, a fucking yeah. ass whooping of Portland State. Portland State, man, that's just just demoralizing. It, it was something like 48-0. They scored like 42 points in the first quarter, I yeah. think, like 38 or 42 in in 15 minutes. It was like 40. It was like they scored 50 by halftime. So they were pacing for 100 yeah. points. Yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> yeah, yeah, 50. Uh, they scored 22 in the first quarter, 28 in the second. Wow. And then uh, 17 in the third and 14 in the fourth. Wow, crazy. But anyways, uh, that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Uh, I want to thank everybody for calling in. Uh, Thank you to Lou. Thank you to Alex, Diane, and uh, to Kyle for joining me tonight. We will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. And also, as a reminder, Big Brother fans, uh, the Big Brother Recap Podcast, Friday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we'll be starting up the Survivor Podcast soon at some point. I've uh, got to get more word on that. Uh, but anyways, everybody have a great rest of your weekend. Have a great uh, – when is Labor Day? Uh, Labor Day is – yeah, have a, have a great Labor Day, and we will be back uh, next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly.